What's up and welcome to another MoGraph MoCast. I'm Dave. And I'm Matt. Joining us today is our good friend, Mr. Ryan Summers. Hello. And MoGraph is a supplement to our site, MoGraph.com, which is a motion graphics tutorial site with tutorials, plugins, podcasts, and other MoGraph stuff. And on the show, we talk about everything ranging from motion graphics to Cinema 4D, After Effects plugins, render engines, doing business, doing taxes, being a contractor... Or working for the man. You can email us info at MoGraph.com. Let us know what you think about the show. Questions, comments, concerns, queries, grievances, show topic ideas, artist suggestions. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and MoGraph.com. Check us out on all the things. We got uh, some fun TikToks and things coming out. Stuff that you don't see anywhere else except maybe Instagram stories yeah. or reels or other because places. Because basically the I same guess. thing. So you will see them <laughs> in other places. So uh, join us on all the things. I'm really trying to get the TikTok numbers up so that we can do some live streams and such. Yeah, it's, that'd be it's cool. It's hard to be, cool. uh, be such a niche inside of a niche inside of a niche inside <laughs> of TikTok. So we want to get some numbers in there. Maybe do some fun live stuff if we can and uh, just chat and whatnot. Yes. But... Um, Ryan is here. We have so much to catch up on. It's been a minute. So much to catch up on, and uh, it's going to be fun. I don't have much in the in the realm of week just, wrap up. Just ask Ryan so, a question, you know, and then we'll have right. two hours filled <laughs> right there. We'll just go. Oh, yeah. no. My reputation um, is growing. It's not good. I don't know. We're working on some great uh, some great stuff coming up for the fall. Uh, really, that's it. So, so right now, um, we don't have a lot of, like, Ravcock stuff like render engines and things, but uh, we will be talking to Jules yes. uh, after GTC. GTC is that the right? GDC are those, are those the right letters? Game developers. <laughs> and, uh, so we'll <laughs> we'll be talking about uh, some of the you know brigade and and other things that are coming down the pipe. That'll be a lot of fun. We got a lot of other uh, fun guests coming up, in, in, including some areas like we've been trying to do that are a little bit kind of like offshoots of MoGraph, including like architectural and other things. So uh, so we don't have much in the render realm today. I, I do want to say that if you're on the interwebs and, and you are in Facebook groups for Cinema 4D, there's two different uh, ma major Cinema 4D groups that people are on. There's the main one, and then there's that kind of other one that tends to get a lot of spam in it sometimes. And I was um, really getting tired of like seeing all these videos of can you believe they did this and it was just crap spam and so i messaged them and i was like hey you need any help with your moderation because i'm down and so now i've been hitting the ban hammer on lots of spammers <laughs> so hopefully the the uh the spam is less on that facebook group for those who are because i know a lot of y'all are following that i see mm -hmm. you know your little icons up there so uh, that'll help clean that out and that's that's about it i don't know if there's anything else we really have to address from the best last week. Best render engine for pizza. <laughs> best render engine for pizza. Uh, yeah, so uh, we are just going to go right into it with Ryan, and we, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, y you know, you were on for the, the campfire the campfire chat wrap-up or, Which was or like, like a year reunion ago. thing. Yeah. Maybe not quite a year ago, but it was, yeah. Yeah, I think it was, it was about a year was ago. Close. Jeez. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow. It it both yeah, doesn't so, feel like it, and it also feels like 10 years ago. It does, yeah. Somehow right. at the same time. Yeah. Was it before NFTs? It might have been. It was pre-NFTs, definitely. Because yeah. I, that was one big question I asked during my talk was, um, 
you know, I asked like, are, is anybody happy? Does anybody feel like they have imposter syndrome? And does anybody feel like they're where they want to be? And we started talking about just like motion design as an industry. And people were like, oh, motion design is just everything else, but for clients. And I was like, that sucks. When is it ever going to change? What's it going to take? And I remember yeah. specifically Noseman was like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, oh, I, I can make a short or I could do like a Kickstarter. And then it felt like two months later, three months later at the most, NFTs just like this platform for doing mm-hmm. exactly that just showed up where people yep. don't have to just be me. And it felt like for all of its controversy or good or bad, it felt like it was the answer to that question for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And last time we were at camp together for the first year, like COVID has happened since then. Of course, NFTs happened mm-hmm. since then. And I would love to, when we get to the NFT segment to really get into, you know, some of your thoughts on NFTs. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so even your career in general, I guess, there's been a lot of changes yeah. over the last few years. Yeah, I have to, uh, you know? I have to almost, co- I can't MoGraph to, to think because I, um, at the time, the place I was working at, Digital Kitchen, was uh, like the Titanic. It was sinking. I knew it was sinking. Not everybody else knew it was sinking, but I, we had a ask there. Um, I think it was like maybe, maybe a month before, um, like I went to camp, I was told like, uh-huh. Hey, um, we need to make $8 million this year. And I think I'd brought in like six and a half on my own. Uh-huh. And it was like, you had three months to try to like somehow scrounge up another million and a half in business or something was going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, like we had a lot of people, we had a lot of career directors and I think I brought in one more job, but collectively the rest of the team, we, we could not cross that barrier. And the company got folded into a, a parent wow. company. Like we were, we were owned by like, kind of like how Nuke is owned by like a group, you know, like the yeah. foundry is owned by, we were the same way just as a creative agency. And I found out we were right before, like literally the day before I flew out to camp yeah. that it was going to get folded in. Um, so I was like looking and talking to all different companies, you know, all the same like tech companies everybody's been running to, um, a couple other studios, but Joey from School of Motion had been kind of like talking to me a little bit here and there. And then I don't know if he sent EJ or EJ just happened to be really good at it, but uh, EJ and I sat down for a long time during Camp MoGraph. Um, and I think I, I pretty much made my decision there after the uh, the campfire talk. I was like, I think this is the answer to the question. Nose man actually asked me like, what are you going to do about it? So um, yeah. it was pretty, pretty interesting to, to have that time, have those like three or four days, whatever it was to just get away from your computer, but also get away from the politics of like the studio I was at. And it really, mm-hmm. it, it was, I don't think I could have made the decision if I didn't have that time and those people around me to make what like for me was very, very different. Right. Like I was yeah. on this path of like, try to get to become a creative director. Now I'm a creative director. Now I'm trying to save a company. Oh, I couldn't do that. I could just keep on that lifestyle or I could, you know, fork off and go somewhere else. So yeah, yeah I have the, I kind of <laughs> fork, fork off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was not done on, not on purpose. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I kind of have like you guys, you and Mark, um, to just say thanks for like, creating that environment where people could kind of have those I conversations. I have said this from like, basically the very beginning is that you are our biggest cheerleader for Camp MoGraph. And I feel like Mm -hmm. I owe you a big thanks because you talk about it so much that I feel like this year was very successful specifically because of you. And so thank you for that. I don't believe that, but I'll say thank you. (laughs) The word word of mouth you guys generated, like I I, I think very quickly, like while it was happening, people knew something was going on. I think Mm -hmm. like you have to still set the context, right? Like how many people were like, is this motion designs fire festival? Right. And I think we were all kind of like, I don't even know if like you guys didn't even like, like you didn't know what was going to happen. We were very worried as well. Yeah. I don't think it it wasn't until we actually got there for the first one where we Mm -hmm. were like, okay, I think this might work. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it was. It yeah, was I kept crazy, thinking fire it was, festival. It was very fast though. Like, like I think when I forgot who else I got picked up with. Maybe it was Broder 
or somebody. But I think mm-hmm. even just like as we were driving up and like got out of the car and it was early. I think it was the day, but it was just when the instructors got there. Yeah. All of us mm-hmm. really quickly were like, this is different. There's something like, yes, we're not going to talk about the same stuff we normally talk about. But if right. we do, it's going to be in a different context. It's going to be like this very like take a deep breath. What, what's our, where's our career going? What's like, and so so much of it was just like, Oh man, Oh, you're going to go draw. I remember the first day I just sat like, after we got together and we figured out we were sitting, like I just sat down drawing and like, I was at a circle, like a round table, like eight other people just sat down and started drawing. I'm like, this has never happened to me in motion design ever. I've never had this experience. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I don't know. I've been thinking about it a lot over the past like week or so. And it's like, I, 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 I got to give huge props to Mark because mm-hmm. like, I mean, this was his baby. This was his idea. I'm just, you know, jumping on the train, but man, this is, it, it really is something very different and very special in our industry. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're sad you couldn't make yeah, it. We we're sorry. You couldn't, sad. you couldn't make it <laughs> I'm out. Sorry. And we're sorry about all the FOMO we're giving you. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm so sorry that my, 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 my little dude, I have a, I have a two year old dude and he started pooping his brains out. Like, like, let's like very quickly, like right before I was supposed to get on the, on the, the ride to the plane. It was just, yeah. uh, that's a hard one to, yeah. to wave away. I'm like, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> it was the first yeah. time too. So yeah, with COVID, <laughs> yeah, we missed you. Yeah. Missed I, you. I definitely was yeah. living vicariously through, uh, everyone's tweets and instagrams the the few that can get through yeah. the barrier that you guys somehow erect over the top of camp mograph yeah <laughs> um, it seems like it's really hard to get a signal or get a message out which i think is actually a feature not a bug yeah. of camp this MoGraph. one was yeah. a lot better there was uh there was a the lot internet more was all right. service yeah. you mm-hmm. know you you yeah. could you there are a few spaces especially the indoors indoors you could get wi-fi no problem nice yeah so, yeah but it was great because people still only used it Mm-hmm. sparingly yeah. it's like oh, i'll post a photo and now i'm going back to what i'm doing yeah so they were like yeah this is the unplugged conference but everybody's still posting stories i i think you want the you yeah want, you want to be able to save the cool stories <laughs> and things you know yeah that's fun and yeah. uh, like yeah. the thing is it's it's nice like down near the uh the fireside chat areas there was no service like zero, no yeah. certain nothing you know and when yeah. you were down like doing the giant swing and stuff there was no service you know so mm-hmm. you just yeah. kind of you you kind of got used to it and you didn't you didn't become so accustomed custom to picking up your phone yeah yeah so, yeah that, yeah i think like i said last week your phone was a tool and not mm-hmm. a necessity yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 so yeah, that's great that's cool yeah mm-hmm. so yeah so um yeah the next one already talking about doing the next uh-huh. one so you know going to, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, t- we'll get you the info so yeah. you can make Sweet. sure you <laughs> you guys are setting up on the moon you know. you're gonna do it on the moon yeah. is that where we're going we're getting yeah. on a Elon Musk yeah. rocket to, to the moon yeah to the moon <laughs> We got moon. a couple different yeah, places I mean, we're checking out. One of them, uh, one of them we're going to go check out this week, and then another one mm-hmm. we're going to go check out in about a month. You know, but I mean, honestly, these are both such great places. It's really it, they have a lot of things going for them, and some, you know, I I don't know. There, it's such a fine. You got to You got to You got to It's a fine line between you know super rustic. Mm-hmm. And like way too fancy, and I'm worried <laughs> right. that like you know I was worried that this last one was a little too fancy, but I think it was mm-hmm. perfect. I think it, it it hit right on the nose. Uh, but yeah. overwhelmingly, people people thought the food could be better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> getting yeah. that it is, it, getting yeah. those surveys back. It is. But. It does have camp in the name. Like there is an implication mm-hmm. that you, like right. that right. If that's the part that's rustic. It's not not right. unexpected. Yeah. I mean, I I, I yeah. like the food. That was that was me. I mean, I, mean, I heard there was, was a no, bartender this time though. Like, there was no bartender year one. There wasn't a bar. Well, technically, there wasn't a bartender 
<laughs> we just mm-hmm. hopped in and did it. Yeah, but nice. yeah, next year hopefully there will be a bartender. That is mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, definitely on and... our on our radar, so that we can actually have some fun too. You know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's also Kevin you know says, Camp it's, it's a delicate thing like when you're talking to camps and being like, hey, yeah. we want we're going to be serving alcohol. It mm-hmm. is basically all you can drink. You know, and then uh, until everyone decides to go to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, that's a that's a, a thing that you really have to be careful. You know, you got to feel people out for that. Mm-hmm. So, EJ says, mo- wait, uh, Mogra- Mograf Iceland or Island? I think no, Island. I- I- Island, yeah. I want to I want to do I want to do Iceland yeah. so bad. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a little bit. It's, it's that's destination mograph. Destination mograph. Destination mograph. Right. <laughs> That'll be yes, slightly the water. <laughs> what? Yeah, where the water flows like wine. Right. Rarely. Rarely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be. It'll, it'll yeah, be so, good. We'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll, we got. We got. Keep plans. everybody updated. I got. Yeah. I got things up here stewing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ryan, tell us what you've been. What is your official? What is your official title? I'm officially creative director of 2D um, mm-hmm. at School of Motion, which uh, EJ e. Hassan-France is my you know peer on the 3D side. But to be honest, it, mm-hmm. it, we both are just looking at ways to, to make more classes and get more community kind of built up for people trying to get into the motion design industry or trying to level up. Tell, tell us tell us more about that. What are, what are you working on right now? As so, much as you can say. Uh, so, I mean, last year was really busy because um, I, I, you know, I was coming in hot off of Camp Mograph and I wanted to do, I've been doing these open office hours now, I think for like four years. Um, wow. At this point where, you know, oh, you're still doing, I still that. do them. Yeah. I still, I, I, awesome. I locked them down to just Wednesdays just cause you know, like I offer a bunch of other stuff through, through school of motion, but yeah, like on Wednesdays, you know, for a couple hours, people can hook up with me through a, a calendar app and just, you know, hang out for 15, 30, 50 minutes or 30 minutes and talk about most of the time demo reels. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. you know, like career advice or, Hey, how do I get into, you know, this studio or that kind of stuff. Um, but that is really difficult to scale, obviously. Like you can only give so much of your time for free. So when I started school motion, one of the big things was trying to just like extend that to more and more people. So mm-hmm. um, I made a free class mm-hmm. called level up. Um, that was like a direct response to, to the stuff we talked about camp MoGraph. So um, just free class it's basically you can take it right now if you wanted to but it talks about all the stuff that kind of like stops you up so it could be you know like how do you get better at editing it could be what's imposter syndrome we actually talked to a therapist like a like who specializes in imposter syndrome and had a really good That's long cool. like podcast hmm. discussion about it just to kind of kick off that conversation um but also like i i think there's a lot of stuff we don't really talk about and some of it's just the stuff away from software so i cover a lot of that you know like i cover about like how to get better at drawing talking or writing because those three things i sucked at and i think um mm-hmm. i invested a lot of that once i started to try to get into motion design and that unlocked a lot of doors that you know getting better at after effects or Cinema 40 wouldn't have really necessarily helped me. Um, so there's a ton of stuff like that in there. And that took a long time to make. Cause it's not just, you know, teaching a class, uh, like a software to a class. Um, mm-hmm. and then we made demo real dash. Um, and that was the big one for me was just like, it's four weeks. It's very quick, but it's taking whatever you have right now. And part of it is like, how do you cut a demo reel? But the big thing for demo real dash is like how to set up the next, like three, four, five years of your career arc. Um, so, you're getting the assignments you want, not stuff that's just been assigned to you. And that can take any form, right? Like it could be, Mm -hmm. it could be, you know, like you just want to get better at the company you're at and like level up, you know, like to get into like a art director, a creative director position, or it could be like dropping everything and going freelance, but you, you need the reel to show you how to do that. But you also need the plan. Cause I, I, I've noticed a lot of people like 
at like the midpoint of what their career ends up being, they get really frustrated because they're either like not getting the work they want or they can't move up into like the next level. Um, but it's really hard to like reconcile that, right? Like we don't look at the stuff we make very often because it's, it comes and goes so quick. Most of the stuff we make is gone in half the time it takes to actually make it, you know, like it's yeah. hard to think of yeah. it that way. Right. And maybe NFTs changes yeah. that game, you know, a little bit, but I think there's still a lot of people living in the more traditional world of like, I want to get a studio job and then I want to go freelance. Um, but part of that is like, actually like before NFTs, we were all doing one a days, right? Or we were telling people or people were trying to do it. And that felt very aimless and it was hard to keep up. But if you actually, yeah. if you actually, and maybe this extends to NFTs as well, if you actually do it with a plan, like with a goal in mind and like a short term, like a, a one day, one week, one month, one year plan on how to get where you want to, it makes the individual like day of like getting to work a lot easier because you actually have a, a goal. So demo reel dash does a lot of that besides like showing you just enough of what you need in like premiere to like cut a new demo reel and how to deal with sound and music and what to do with it afterwards too, as a big part of the class, right? Like you have a demo reel, but if nobody can see it or the right person can't see it, it doesn't really mean that much. So those right. are two big things. And then now, you know, we're, we're kind of EJ and I, I think are in the same boat. Like you guys are talking about, like this is gotta be the, the, most stressful and most exciting time motion graphics has ever been in, right? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> there's no rules or no yeah. expectations on what we're going to do going forward, right? Like I used to always say, nobody knows how to retire because no one has. Nobody knows what, how to like mm-hmm. take the next year because no one's been in this like bananas batshit world of like motion graphics right now. Um, so we're figuring out too, right? Like from software, from like what to invest in hardware wise to like, where can we go with motion design? You know, like you said, mm-hmm. you were talking about architecture. Um, there's so many places and so many things you can do with motion design, but it's also so crazy that you can literally freeze yourself up trying to figure out what to do. So we're doing the same thing. We're kind of evaluating the world and like we have all of our, I think we have 14 or 15 classes on sale mm-hmm. now and we're looking at like what to do next. But um yeah, that's where, I think where we're at with registration is ongoing right now. Currently, yeah, I, think I think it ends it, in about a week, right? Yeah, yeah. You're doing the yeah. promo I should have done. Yeah, there we have about go. a week left for, <laughs> for all our courses. Um, I will say, um, demo real dash. It's normally offered all the time, but we're gonna. I think some of our courses, um, not this coming semester, that's still up, but the next semester after that, they're gonna take a break. Um, and demo real dash is one of those. So if you were thinking hmm. about working on a demo reel, this is the time to actually do it because. Um, that it it won't be you'll if you don't get in this session it'll be another session after that that it'll be available so mm-hmm. um, I know that that one's a fairly timely thing for a lot of people so yeah. um, are all of them on a schedule like that yeah. like is level up on a schedule uh, level okay. up is not level yeah. up is we have two oh it's not, okay we have two free courses path to MoGraph which is like if you don't know anything about motion design you can yeah like, anytime anybody asks like what's motion design I just point them there because um, cool. it's mm-hmm. a really short okay. easy thing yeah it, it, like Joey goes out to um, a couple studios in Detroit I think he goes to like Gunner. And a couple other places and just explains what motion graphics actually is because it's hard to sometimes explain, uh, especially to like friends and family. Um, And then level up is the other one. So if you've been in the industry for like, I'd say like more than two years, there's probably a lot of good stuff in there. And that you can literally sign up for today. You get access. You can see what like our learning management system actually looks like and how the videos are kind of put together. And you can watch that like all in a weekend or you can watch a little bit here and there or you can just like pull the podcast down and just listen to those. So um, those two are free and available at any time. And one of my questions that um, I actually asked people uh, when we were at camp was I brought it back to what you had said about the retirement thing, mm-hmm. you know, the year mm-hmm. before. And like now we kind of have an idea of, OK, this is how you could retire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so things are definitely changing really fast. Mm-hmm. And um, man, there's there's a lot of topics that I think have been kind of brought back up by some of our uh some of our friends in Discord and other places in the last couple of days. Um, I, I think one of the good ones actually is about your website. I think this is a 
this is a good one to hit because um, I was talking to last night. I was talking to Joe. Uh, mm-hmm. Our friend Joe, who was was at camp, he he came over last night. We were chilling and and chatting about a bunch of stuff and, and talking about how important a website is uh, to to your brand or to your work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that it, a reel can be important, but the reel goes on the website and the reel goes other places. Mm-hmm. The actual website itself, we start getting in this convo about like how often does somebody like stumble across your website mm-hmm. and be like, oh, I'm going to hire them, yeah. Yeah. like. Almost you got to have some never. killer SEO in order to, you know, even <laughs> yeah. get someone to find you yeah. by Googling mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Or by, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you want my hot take on that? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Sure. So I, I, All the hot takes. I think, um, I don't think you need one anymore. I'll say that, like, right off the bat. Like, I think, especially, like, if we're just crystallizing this as a time capsule, like, today in the world of motion design, if you can demonstrate that you know, like, just above beginner level of After Effects and Cinema 40, you should be able to get a job. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you stay employed doing that job or you can right. extend that into a bigger like relationship or career, that's totally up for debate. But like the ability to post something up so fast on anything – like Twitter just updated their fucking compression today or yesterday. Like I would feel safe uploading stuff mm-hmm. onto Twitter now where I would not before if I was trying to like show that's off my cool. work. But like the fact that yes, like – it was bad. <laughs> it was awful and it's gotten better. It will get better. But like – I will say you don't need a website, right? I don't think you need one if you just are like, I need to get a job right away. What can I put up somewhere that someone can share it to mm-hmm. the right person? Like I, you can post video on LinkedIn and immediately get access and connect. And like, if you work around with people to, to get your stuff in the eyes of people that can hire you tomorrow, right? Like I've said this on so many places, but the amount of calls I get at school of motion from studios that either I've worked at or I've never worked at every single day like can you find somebody that is just reliable and trustworthy that i can grow but i need to hire staff and i can't find anyone that either wants to go staff or in terms of like freelancers like certain specialties that like you if you knew certain things you could get hired and not have to think about like trying to find work for a very long time in the current like as of today on you know september 27th 2021 like the market is so hot that there's just not enough like talented reliable people out there yep all that mm-hmm. all that said I think a website is immensely more valuable than it was in the past. A, mm-hmm. because they're so easy to make. Like if you have a creative cloud right now, I never thought I would ever say this, but while <laughs> I was making Demo Real Dash, mm-hmm. Adobe Portfolio um, is absolutely pretty amazing. Um, it's not fully featured. It's not as like nice as Squarespace or even something like Wix, but it basically uses Behance. You can upload anything to Behance and Behance will act as your content management system for up to five free Adobe portfolio websites. And they're fairly mm-hmm. customizable. It's drag and drop. Like I said, it's not as like exhaustive as like what you can do with Squarespace if you have a developer friend. But if you want to be able to have a nice clean way to put stuff up that takes no time or you just want a landing page that literally is like, here's my demo reel and here's my address. Like, like here's how you get a hold of me. Here's my phone number right it is ridiculously easy and fast to do and it can grow with you right like as you add stuff through behance it, it's great I, the only thing i would say is like they don't have this is stupid but you can't pick the thumbnail for video so i would actually still have a mm. vimeo account mm. to be able to like upload the video you can hook it into behance and then that'll show up in your portfolio you can pick you know yeah you can pick the thumbnail and you can the one thing that vimeo is worthwhile for is that you can slipstream updates you know so if you do your demo and you realize you misspelled yes. you don't have to like take it down or upload a new one you can just like 
replace the video new file new video yeah, which files. youtube and a lot I of other places YouTube i know that. youtube will never do it yeah. but that's the, I, I think that's like a very simple easy way and the reason i say it's more valuable than it ever has been is because there are so many more platforms for you to make money and sell things and create like audiences and networks so if you're doing what you guys are doing be able to just have a place that has everything you know like like a visual mm-hmm. a visual version of like linktree right like linktree is great because yeah. on instagram you can get but it, like i never click half of those things because i don't know what the 12 things are but if i go to someone's website and I can see like, oh, this person has a Patreon or a Kickstarter and they're also doing YouTube streams. Like it gives me a sense of what your full, like I hate the word brand, but your full offerings are that mm-hmm. like Instagram or you know, like, like Twitter will never do. So I think they go hand in hand much better now that there are NFTs, right? Like you can actually have somebody discover mm-hmm. your work because of LinkedIn and then see that you're actually are an artist selling and making NFTs. And maybe you don't get right. hired, but you get talked about in a different way, right? So I don't think you need a website. I don't think it's a necessity, but I think if you do have one, it is a huge advantage to have one that's smartly put together that shows off your brand and who you are. If that makes sense. But even so, it becomes kind of a list of things and it's still the videos that are doing the selling, right? Like, you know, because we were talking about skills that are doing the setting. Right. But we were talking about like a studio, like a studio having a website. Obviously, a studio has to have a website, you know, for the work that we do. We have a website. But again, it's still it's a placeholder Mm -hmm. for some videos that we're showing. It's like how like if you're a studio and you're designing everything, how important is it to you or how important is it to some rando that comes across your site that they can go four pages deep and find out what pieces of software you're using? I don't think they care. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, as a, as a studio, but. I still think they're so th- I think we live in really weird and interesting times, right? Like PJ Richardson over at laundry. Um, he's getting so much more work now because he's personally posting in a way he never did for his entire career up until maybe a year ago because of NFTs. And even right before that, actually like, like, He's posting his own work to like really good traffic areas. Like, like he posts to LinkedIn when he makes a new piece of art, Mm -hmm. but he's not just doing Mm -hmm. that, right? He's posting his work to LinkedIn, but he's also sharing a lot of stuff. He's, excuse me, he sees. And because of just whatever their algorithm is set up, he's being exposed to people who can actually hire him and hire his studio, but they're discovering him, right? Like they're not Mm -hmm. discovering laundry or they're discovering like whatever the name is. So many websites are for studios are so boring because they literally just say the same (laughs) thing. We're a creative design agency making animation and solving creative problems for you in the most cinematic way possible or whatever they're like. Yes, absolutely. If that's what a website is for you, then I say, fuck it. Don't put one up, right? Like if you're a studio, like Mm -hmm. spend all your time on Twitter and Instagram and Behance and Dribble and making relationships with real people as much as you can. But, But if you are going to try to do something different and actually explain what is the reason to hire you versus someone else then i think a website because what will happen is like like someone sees something you've done and they don't need that but they like it right like Mm -hmm. maybe they don't need the weird houdini sim that you did but they like your point of view or the color palette you chose if they go to your website and see what you need there in that front page on the first like grid then i would say a website is still useful right i wouldn't put as much work as most people used to on your website if you're a studio because i don't think people are doing that but if you do have like a stuff like page right like here's my stuff or here's my experiments or here's my lab like and that's connected to the weird shit your studio puts on instagram or the the stuff you're doing outside of work as a team that stuff sometimes is actually what's like a differentiator for people that are trying to hire studios now right like if it doesn't just look like every other studio i've ever worked with that actually can make a big difference you know like i I know just personally like right before i was finishing up i was getting the question all the time why is it the same why does everybody look the same on your website 
Mm-hmm. Like, I know that that's a weird thing to say, but like DK was pretty white, pretty middle-aged and pretty bald, mm-hmm. right? Pretty bald dude. <laughs> yeah. Like it just was. And glasses And glasses <laughs> right, right? You can only have so many people that look like Chad Ashley and I. Yeah. And when you walk <laughs> into when you walk into the room, when the studios and the brands that you're working with have worked really hard to diversify as well, those mm-hmm. questions come up. So if your studio can mm-hmm. actually demonstrate, you know, like I look at a studio like Newfangled Studios, they're in, um, I think, I think in Boston, um, but they recently rebranded and they redid their website, and they've always been very diverse and had a really interesting story. But now everything speaks to that: their logo, their copy, the way they talk about themselves. They used to have a website that was like a laundry list of here, please hire us for anything. Here's everything we do, even though their work was stellar. Um, mm-hmm. But the website did not re- represent like the quality and like like what expectations you'd get from working with them. Now it's much more simple. It's much more clean. It's much more obvious who they are as people. I think if your website can do that, then yeah. But if your website just can be the generic mm-hmm. run of the mill five years ago boringness that just here, here's a grid with my twenty jobs begging to hire my, my demo reel in four years. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's a yeah. lot of people in that position though too. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a good place to be in because that means you're getting tons of word of mouth you're getting just repeat clients and, and whatever else and you don't even need to go mm-hmm. explore that yeah. you know i i think four or five years is probably a good idea to go back and refresh yeah. but you know yeah or it's at least a reminder that uh, maybe you should like make some uh some new stuff too right like if, if you yeah. haven't done for four or five well, years you're either so yeah. busy that you don't need one or, or you've been doing the same stuff and you don't want to make one or all your work is nda and you can't actually post right. anything new. <laughs> that that's too. our There's problem that you know, a lot of the work, like 90% yep. of the work that we've done over yep. the past two years has been all yep. NDA, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, so we've either got to create something ourselves or, mm-hmm. you know, for ourselves, specifically for our real, or we've got to find some non NDA work. Can I ask you a question about right. that? Is most of the NDA work for like the same one or two clients or is it spread out across like a wide range of clients? It's uh, it's pretty spread out. Yeah. Okay. You're probably, I mean... You know, a good. Ma- I mean, there are there are some clients that are a ma- majority yeah. of a mm-hmm. lot of business we do that are NDA, but yeah, it's a lot of NDA yeah. stuff. Because that's general. the scary part, where yeah. it's like if it's if it's NDA work with the same one or two clients, if for whatever reason that client goes away or goes dark or yeah. it goes yes. cold, yeah. then it's yeah. like, oh shit, do we? It's always a concern. Yeah, we had. A, <laughs> like, I, I worked for a company. I worked for a studio yeah. of. Uh, before Dave and I jumped off to do our own thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, I worked for a studio and 90, uh, 90 to 100% of their work was all from Samsung, you know? Yeah. And they yeah. were like expanding mm-hmm. and expanding and doing more and more work for Samsung. And then the whole uh, f- uh, Samsung phones blowing up on airplanes mm-hmm. thing <laughs> happened. Yeah. And they ended up going out of business because that yeah. was their only only way, you know, their yeah. only client really i mean that that's... And we've done like you know tons of uh, we've talked about before that we can actually say that we have worked on the madden video game yeah mm-hmm. what in we public, can talk we about can't we can't say can't more really? about that we can't show <laughs> yeah. anything we can't mm-hmm. say what we did like yeah. that's that's the that's the extent of it yeah. and so yeah that's tough because it's like there's some really cool looking stuff but we just cannot show specifically what it did now yeah. they let us show clients behind the scenes right yeah. right you know, that's but publicly facing, that's a hard thing to do mm-hmm. when, you know, you get into the mix of agencies and contractors and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. multiple umbrellas of people. Well, you can't be the guy on the bottom showing off all of your stuff that yeah. somebody's paying 
for yeah, it. The top, and that's a that's know. a slippery slope too, though, too, because if you do slip like a, a brand or an agency, something that's NDA, and they work with NDA clients, yeah. they yeah. don't <laughs> take too kindly yeah. to know when you're doing that. So it is like you. That's yeah. a and also that stuff doesn't that stuff doesn't go out and get you the handshake to have the first meeting, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to have other work that at least brings people to the table so you can show them yeah. the the iPad or the NDA thing. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what the best right. solution to that is other than somehow finding a way to make time for whether it's personal work or some some other client work that fits in the same territory but you know you can like you can show off what you do because it's it's i think a lot of companies have actually folded because of that right like you get that agency yeah. of record or the big contract and then like you're you're either stuck doing the stuff that you didn't want to do for a samsung right you're like oh my god mm-hmm. samsung but then it's like that's why they give you an agency of record because they're like, you have videos. to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not doing the cool like Houdini Sim, like new TV announcement. Mm-hmm. And you actually get you get a reputation where you get discredited from having to do that because you're Absolutely. pigeonholed into the oh explainer video. So it is – I think business development as like a philosophy and as like a concept is something that – as all of us who are starting like one or two person shops that are maybe growing into four or five person shops, like that's something that's going to have to be mm-hmm. part of the discussion. Like there's theory, you don't just go with whatever's here right away, you know, even as a freelancer, right? Like how many people listen to this? They, they're a little dry for a while in work. You take the first thing that comes up and then the job you really wanted, you get the phone call the day afterwards yeah. or over yeah. the weekend where of you're course like, you do. Well, I can't yeah. say no. Like Always. it's, it's like cosmically guaranteed that that's going to happen. Yeah. So like, I heard at Dash Bash, like, just the word no was kind of, like, the theme, like, mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. People were saying, say no to work, say no mm-hmm. to, like, work-life balance, inequities. I feel like that whole just concept of, like, learning when and learning that you are allowed to say no is actually, like, another skill set beyond everything yeah, else that we do. I, I don't know. I, 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 I get where people are, are at with that, you know, mm-hmm. and, like... For example, me and Dave, we're we're in a really good place right now with our business and stuff like that. We can easily say no to to clients that are mm-hmm. coming in if we don't want to take the work. But it's easy to say that when you've got plenty of money in the bank and you know mm-hmm. you've got all right. these clients coming right. in. But then you want to talk about some kid who's fresh out of college who mm-hmm. you know is just trying to pay his health insurance. You know, it's like yeah. They're gonna they're gonna take whatever's thrown at them, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like yeah. I, I at at times I feel like oh say no to this say no to this you know mm-hmm. say no. To, it's it's a very elitist way of thinking, you know. It's like mm-hmm. I have spent fifteen years building my career, so now I can say no. Right. When that doesn't really that doesn't help the person at the bottom who is just yeah, right. now getting into it. Yeah, it's definitely, I, I it's definitely a, a it's a response for a, for a specific crowd, but it also like I think I think the big thing about it is just letting people know that that it is something you can do just holistically as an artist, right? Sure. Like I know so many people get hired at a studio and then they they don't think they can say no because they're there. So then they're like, okay, well that's why they work weekends or that's why they don't ask for mm-hmm. overtime because they're like, well I didn't know that I could say no because I think I think that, that, that that's a, a fun trite thing to put on a like slide at a talk and you can get cheered for, right? Say mm-hmm. no, <laughs> right? Like, grow up, say no, right? Yeah. But I think that I think the real answer behind that is like you know like in the improv world there's a whole idea of always saying yes and right like Mm -hmm. you never shut someone down when you're collaborating you say yes i like that and we could also i think what people are really trying to say but don't say it the right way is that when you can say no but 
right? Like you can say, no, I'm not going to do this, but I know someone who could, let me hook you yeah. up with them, right? Like yeah. that's an mm-hmm. easy way to say, don't be an asshole and lose the connection. You, you don't mm-hmm. understand right. like the order of magnitude that someone will re- remember you. If you say, I can't take this, you don't even have to say why, but you can say, I can't take this. I'm too busy, uh, whatever. I, I'm going to be on a vacation, but here's a person that can help you. Let me know when you need help again. That yeah. is a much different yeah. way than just grandstanding and be like, oh, just say no, because you, know, yeah. you can. They remember you for the being the, per- the helpful person that helped them figure out that mm-hmm. that problem that they had, yeah. Yeah. even if it wasn't doing the work. Yeah, well, And, and that's, that's yeah. I, I honestly think this is a lesson everybody has to learn too late in this industry if you're trying to stick around for a long time, is that what you're really trying to prove to people or build with people is relationships, not that you can justify your day rate, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what opens up the bigger opportunities. Like it took me two decades to learn that I wasn't learning how to talk so I could just go and make the art I wanted to. It was actually the opposite. I was making the art I needed to so I could get in the rooms to talk to be able to get the the work I really wanted, mm-hmm. right? Until I yeah. actually learned that like how fast I can crank out some animated type doesn't really matter more than like the five or $600 I'm getting for a day at that time. The fact that I could talk intelligently about something that the client needed a solution to. And mm-hmm. when I started learning that I need to get better at that so I can get in the room to prove it and then get you know permission to be in the room by myself with the right clients. Yeah. When that happened, I was like, oh, I used to always hate the people who didn't do or didn't make but actually that's how they got in the room to do the stuff I want to do. Like it, it, it's a total mind fuck and it's a total flip because there is kind of like a chip on your shoulder of like, well, I've been working for however many years on the box. Why does that person get to do that? They don't even yeah. do anything. Um, that may be a very personal kind of like observation, but it, it really, it took me a long time to accept and understand that and be like cool with it, even though I can still get in the box and do whatever I want to do. But that was a whole other skill set that whether you're a, a person in a studio, you're someone in school looking for the opportunity or like you have your own shop, right? Like that, then you have to work with clients. It's a big thing that mm-hmm. like you have to get over and learn. Yeah. We got like a lot of questions here. I've got a bunch of questions Shoot. for you too. Uh, and one of them was about Inktober. Are you going to Absolutely. do Inktober or something <laughs> similar this year? Yeah, I don't know how far I'll get. To, to, <laughs> yeah, so we'll tell everybody about it so for those who don't Inktober, know. Inktober, the official Inktober, was started by this really awesome artist um, that was at Rhythm and Hughes that then went off and started making his own stuff, like comic books and all, all kinds of stuff. Um, this guy, Jake Parker. But every October, he puts out a prompt that I think just came out that every day you're, you try to do one ink drawing and then post it up um, online with just the hashtag Inktober and whatever the year is. Um, there are a lot more prompts now. There's Animation October. There's tons of people in different Slacks doing ones. But the main one I always try to do is just Jake Parker's Inktober. Um, I never get close to finishing it. For whatever reason, I start out strong. I'll do like five drawings for one prompt and post up the best one. And then each day that goes by, I get less and less or I'm slapping something together. Um, but it's a really fun thing to be just like part of. You shouldn't feel stressed mm-hmm. to like, if you don't, if you miss a day, you miss a day. It's fine. Like there's literally no one keeping track, but there is a lot of like reverse kind of like pressure from people that are like, I'm not doing Inktober or F Inktober. Mm-hmm. It has, <laughs> but like it, that's all weight you put on it yourself. That's not like the actual just like hashtag. Um, but it's super fun to just like get back to drawing, do one drawing a day and ink it. However, digitally, like with actually mm-hmm. whatever it is, but yeah, I, I love it. Um, I think there's lots of ways to expand it. Like you can actually just do it. I think somebody just said it here. Like you can do it on a timer. Like you get 30 minutes yeah. to do the drawing and 30 minutes to do the ink because that forces you to just be like, this. or like I, I, one year I did like at the furthest I ever got was like, whenever I got behind, I literally just found like a reference, like a piece of reference. I didn't trace it, but I just literally did a drawing off the photograph and it went so fast. Yeah. And it helps me kind of like shore up stylistically stuff I was having a really hard time doing. 
right? Like I had a hard time trying to figure out how to make something feel flat and graphic, but also volumetric. Like I love Mike Mignola, but I also love like Ryan Lang who draws like for Marvel and he makes stuff look almost like it's 3d. How in my brain do I reconcile that? I just by doing a drawing every day with that goal in a short amount of time off of photo reference, um, it's, it's amazing how much we know it when we do motion design, right? Like the more you do it, the better you get. And the more like the synapses open, you learn how to connect things. Um, yeah. But just sitting down and giving yourself the permission to just do one drawing a day is you don't even have to show it. I, I think the showing it part freaks people out. But even if you just kept a book and then at the end of all of it, or you did all the drawings on one sheet of paper, like little drawings. And at the end of all of it, you just take a photograph and show what you did. Like even that's an easy mm-hmm. way to kind of like take take something from it. But yeah, I love Inktober. It's super And fun. is this real paper? Does it have no, to be real no, paper? No, there's no rules. Like people used to, okay. like three or four okay. years ago, people started arguing about it. It's not Inktober if you're not using ink. I'm like, F that. Yeah. Like if you do it in Procreate, so you can use Procreate. whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Procreate, Photoshop, like, like yeah. whatever. You can do collage for all I care. And just like if if you're authoring something, if you're taking something and turning to something else, fine, man. Like it doesn't matter. Uh, and also a question that was in here are, was your predictions in MoGraph for 2022. Oh, I think that's Christ, an That's a one. huge one. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> um, I normally do one at the end of the year for school motion when we do our like big podcast. Mm. Um, I feel like I've been saying every year oh, and it's yeah, been getting yeah. closer and closer, but you know, like uh, almost a bunch of studios I really like that are not known even for 3d, are finally using Unreal in really, really interesting ways. Like I just saw the studio, The Line, um, that does a lot of really cool, like League of Legends and Riot Games, like super anime inspired mm-hmm. um, 2D animation is looking for Unreal people. Chromosphere just put out this super dope um, little mini series of like animated stuff called Yuki 7. And they're on their like third episode. It's all like super stylistic 2D like they've done in the past, but I think just yesterday or the day before they released their third episode and it's all done in unreal and it doesn't look like unreal. Like it doesn't look like a video game. It doesn't look like the Lumen demos. It's not 3d. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're doing it for a lot of different reasons, but I think I feel like I've been saying this forever. Casey would probably like laugh at me for saying it again, but I think this is this next year in 2022 for a lot of different reasons is going to be the year that you see people not using like unreal as like, a a like curiosity they're actually going to build it into their pipeline and use it for its strengths mm-hmm. and avoid its weaknesses you know like mm-hmm. there's a lot of different reasons why and why not to use unreal um like keyframing that's absolutely atrocious to try yeah, and figure out but, but people yeah. are doing it right like check out the yuki 7 thing yeah. people are people are actually really doing it um and there's ways to bounce around between like like i think just the the tools we have between between Blender, Unreal, and like like Rococo motion capture suits, as as more people start doing it and start finding like the hacks and start finding like the the preferred ways of like even just setting up your 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 keyboard shortcuts in Blender has become an argument. Like, do you change them? Do you <laughs> use the tool that changes them to Myerson before D? Do you just change the alt navigation? Right. Like, which one? Like, th- that is literally like burning up the charts with arguments on like the best practice. But the fact that those are happening and they're happening at such a speed and they're happening in so many different places. Um, there, there is a shift on the horizon and that shift may be caused by cost. That shift may be caused by accessibility. That shift mm-hmm. may be caused by this interlinking of tools that never really existed before. But I don't think like Maxon or Adobe like have to af- be afraid of like their, their industry crumbling away from them overnight. But I do yeah. think it's something that. I'm super excited about, like we've always said, like After Effects is After Effects for good or bad because there's no other true competitor that does everything. Right. But on the Cinema right. 4D side, there are more competitors than you can possibly think of. Um, I'm mm-hmm. excited to see what those competitors turn into, but I'm also excited to see what Maxon's response is going to be when they're faced with the reality that a certain percentage of users are actually 
using alternate tools that don't cost anything in their day-to-day pipelines. You know, like how fast that gets there and how extensive it is. I won't make that prediction yet Um, because it goes the other way too, right? Like there's a studio that was using Blender for feature level animation and TV animation that literally just shut down. You know, like they they, they just disappeared. I don't think that has anything to do with the fact that they chose Blender, Um, but they (laughs) made their stake. I I think that entirely is because I, what's, what's funny is I think, uh, uh, I read a bunch of like from a bunch of artists who worked there and what it sounded like, what, what is it? Is it tangent? Is that who I it think was? So, yeah. 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 So, um, w- what's interesting is they actually wanted to try and get away from a blender p- pipeline mm-hmm. and more onto like a Houdini Maya pipeline. Mm-hmm. And that ended up effing over their entire, like, you know, uh, uh, their entire pipeline, mm. you know, right. because they couldn't keep up with like, yeah, you know, dates and stuff like that all mm-hmm. because they were yeah. trying to change things up. And it's like, yeah. So you, yeah, you have, have. Of it. I mean, I, the thing is, I feel like, um, at a certain age, <laughs> like at a certain age, like you get tired of the, like, like render wars or yeah. like the software wars, mm-hmm. because uh, you, you know, you've been through it enough times that like, this is like people who bitch about bands, like selling out. You know, mm-hmm. like, like I, I would much rather the bands I love still be making music, you know, for decades than them worrying about like, nope, we should stay small and we shouldn't go for the home run swing. Like that right. stuff doesn't really matter that much. Like, it's just like you use what tool you need to use at the time. And the fact that there's actually more stuff out there just means that if you're not going to use Blender, it's going to force people's hands to try to look at the stuff that works, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever that might be. Like, yeah. we have the new version of cinema that came out for all of its like issues and controversies and good and bad things but like you know that as more people start using and you start seeing more quality training and you see really good you know things made with it that there's going to have to be a response right people are going to act like i've been dying for something more like grease pencil in the easy easy to use super super intuitive interface and workflow that cinema 4d creates right like i love i love that you can play in cinema 4d without having to think that much and then expand for as much Mm -hmm. as your brain will take up right Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It would be great if I had something like Grease Pencil in that because as much as you want to say it is great, it is just like when you take someone who's been using 3D for a while and then you give them ZBrush and their brain breaks because yeah. it just doesn't work the way they've been trained to. But if you give a sculptor ZBrush, once they overcome the beginning, if they've never touched 3D before, it makes a ton of sense. You can't yeah. argue that Blender, at least right now at its state, has that same kind of you know feeling to it. Like It just doesn't work the way you yeah. feel like it should work until you force your brain to think the way it wants you to work. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, I mean, and there's a generational thing too. I know a lot of kids are starting with that yeah. and that's kind of why they're, you know, uh, and, and I think it was, was it Andrew Price or somebody who was talking about the, the search queries that he was seeing on, on certain things when COVID started, mm-hmm. there's a lot of honestly bored kids yeah. who said, I'm going to start learning Blender because it's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why you keep hearing, did you know Blender is free? Yeah. yeah. You know, like well, I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy for us to like make fun of it because you know, we're you know, right. in, in a place where like everything's because we're old. Well, I mean, whether or not you're old or not, like the, the tools are codified, right? Like, like the thing I've always been worried about that, that motion graphics would just equal cinema 4d plus after effects. Like that scared me. And I think that's why stuff looked the same. I'm excited that that's getting blown up, but like, like there's a direct runway where like a kid gets into Roblox, then they start getting into Minecraft. And then all of a sudden yep. blender has appeared. And then that's why like when mm-hmm. I, I, I talk to colleges every couple of weeks, right. Just to hear what they need and what they're looking for in terms of education and the amount of schools that are having students show at the door now that are like, Oh, you guys teach cinema 4d. Why don't you use what the pros use? Why aren't you teaching blender? Like, like we can laugh at it, right? And we can think that that's hilarious, but that's what 
the people who are showing up to the door to get taught this stuff with way more information, way more experience and way more knowledge than anyone that's in motion design right now had when they started going to school. That's their expectation, right? Their expectation is that people it's going to work like this. With Cinema 4D? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you oh, yeah. guys aren't using Cinema 4D. You use Macs. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's definitely kind of a generational thing in yeah. some of that as well. I mean, I, I had and the but, conversations. He will deny it to this day. But I had the conversations with Chad Ashley when he was like, man, why do you use a toy? Why are you using that Cinema 4D? That's a toy. And then a couple right. years later, right. I got the phone call. I was like, hey, if someone was going to learn Cinema 4D... Why would they learn it? Mm-hmm. Because at the time, Digital Kitchen was forcing all of the studios that they own to like center on one platform, and mm-hmm. Maxim was someone's choice. Um, so we we went through that, right? So it's funny in a very short amount of time that people who never used 3D that started using cinema now have this like very right. high level kind of like looking thumbing their nose at people trying to learn 3D in Blender because it's accessible and you know like it's got a lot of powerful tools you know like like if you really look at it it's pretty amazing it has an editor it has a compositor for as like not full featured mm-hmm. as either of those things are you can do 2d animation you can use the 2d animation in your 3d it has pretty robust like character tools compared to like just not like trying to just do something in after effects um it may work weird but it works weird for us it's not weird for somebody who doesn't know anything from the outside so um yeah i think i i, I think it's only going to make what you can do in motion design better and bigger in the end. Right. The competition, the, the competition helps. Like look at, look at after effects. There is no competition and we, you know, still have Ram preview issues. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's kind of, I, I think that's such a good thing. Same thing with renders and the render wars and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Look at Redshift and Octane and like what advances they are making in competition with each other. And, and look at you know? look at everything else that's out there that that's filling in all the cracks that like those aren't even like, you know, providing, right? Like Arnold is an amazing like industry tested render for a lot of different things if you're heavy on the CPU side, but it's tune shader it's fucking stunning. Like, like you can do so much with it compared mm-hmm. to the other two like defaults that we always talk about, right? But there's there's three delight, there's Corona, there, there's so many other renders that oh, yeah. that like if you're looking yeah. for a specific thing, I, I hate this idea that like it's like sports where you pick a team and you stick with them, or like like you use the right tool for the right job, and it's almost laughable. Right. When you hear someone being like, well, F redshift or screw up, like, like that stuff just shows like yeah. your immaturity or your lack of like even understanding of how this industry works. And it brings it back down to this like, like dumb, like jocular level. You're like, great, but like it's Octane doesn't care who you are, right? Like you don't have to support <laughs> them. Like it's like your lifeblood, like it's a sports team. Like there are certain, yeah. there are certain programs that like they would smoke either one of those two if you're using just subsurface scattering or if you're just trying to do caustics right like you mm-hmm. cast your tool for what you need you stay up on as many as you can as humanly possible and and you 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 keep your eyes open for anything right like that's why 2d animators don't work anymore right like 2d animators at disney were like a computer screw that i look yeah. what i can do with a pencil it's never going to replace me and none of those people work anymore right like mm-hmm. it that's what motion design is always supposed to have been about is that it's the wild west. You flow with the direction that the the tools are that are out there and you embrace them for the individual things they can do. And you bolt them together in interesting and unique ways. The VFX industry can argue about which renderer to use because they have to put, you know, 1500 people on the same, you know, pipeline, the same platform. Hmm. We don't have, right. we don't have to do that. So, you know, like right. why, why it just seems weird that that's where the industry has gone as we've gone way more VFX and way more tech heavy that we're adopting some of that gross stuff from other yeah, well, why would I why would I want to move over to Blender right now for yeah. like no reason? 
I mean, like why? Like I'm comfortable with yeah. what I'm doing right now. There's no reason for me to move yeah. over. And and like you said, is what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. It's the right tool for the right job. You know, like I I I it, it makes my brain melt just to think. If, you know, I would have to start on a project using Blender for a re- for some reason right now because I know what a chore it would be for me to try and. Right, figure it out. I'm. I, I turned forty-one this week. My brain just can't learn new things the way it used to. I mean, that. I mean, that. That's actually like as much as I want to pretend like that's not true. Like neuroplasticity is actually a real, yeah. a real thing. But yeah. I, I mean, the mm-hmm. thing I would say about that though is like, no one's running to like learn a new thing to learn all of it all at once. Like go over the weekend, Matrix style, download and like. There's no mm-hmm. reason that you couldn't say, oh, you know what I've heard. I wish. I've, yeah, I mean, I would pay good money for that, but like, there's no reason you can't <laughs> I be know like kung fu. You know what I've heard? Geometry nodes are really, really interesting, and that they're they're more intuitive right now than scene nodes and capsules in Cinema 4D. So do a little program on it, right? Like just chill out, like learn something about it, but not just like yeah. don't watch two tutorials about it. Make a little something with it. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe try to recreate something you've already done in another program with it, but like that's that's the way you like slowly build up and have a true opinion and like understanding, and you can add to the conversation in something more than like F Blender or uh, Cinema for D's <laughs> interface looks like just like yeah. Blender, like like that stuff. Like I, I feel like everywhere I go, like you have to filter out seventy percent of the discussion in right. chats and slacks to get to the meat of it. That 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 didn't exist a few years ago before everything was mm-hmm. software wars and mine versus yours like that that's i feel like that it's going to happen but that's so like amateur hour in terms of like the discussions compared to the real stuff we could actually be like doing and talking about yeah mm-hmm. speaking of which i have a good one uh and and i love the uh camp discord that mm. that uh that uh, we've all been like participating in, you know, and I think we got to make sure that the, I guess the, the campers from the first one have access to yeah. it as well. Um, so like Brian, you got to come in there. It's so much fun just to hang out and talk to camp friends. But um, one thing this morning that came up and it reminded me that, you know, like Merlin Mann says, there's somebody born every day who hasn't seen the Flintstones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, uh, Dryzen was talking this morning about that. You know, he is just getting into mm-hmm. contract work and asking questions that, of course, have been asked before, but but just remembering, hey, there's always somebody that hasn't done contract right. work before. I mm-hmm. think so, you know, it's like, oh well, we talked about that three years ago on the show, huh. so it's like, oh, we don't ever talk about right. it again. No, right. I think, yeah, you know, so one of the topics that came up was about payment terms. Mm-hmm. And did you lose a light? Yeah, mat? sorry. Something no, I'm, I, I, I felt like I was a little blown out. So I was trying to, I didn't it, see, I didn't oh. expect it to be that dr- drastic. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, but the a question came up and it was about, um, and, and this leads to a, a second question I have is it, it's a two layered question mm-hmm. is about terms because as, as a contractor, you probably have your own terms. Mm-hmm. And what happens when a company comes to you and they like, they're like, no, these are our terms. Mm-hmm. You have to go yeah. by these. Yeah. You know, how, how, do, do you sound like an asshole if you're like, I'm sorry, that's just not my terms? Like, I'm um, sorry, I do 30. I mean, right? I think that's 60. I think that's the difference between like being a, a, a pro-am and a, a professional, right? Like you have to defend yourself. You have to protect yourself. And in this industry, you're not just protecting yourself. You're protecting everyone that comes after you, right? Like being mindful of that thing you mm-hmm. said before about, oh, we are a continuum of people that like it's not just this one generation plowing forward. We now have – another one or two generations behind us that we have to lead mm-hmm. the way appropriately or we're as bad as the people who came before us. I like that. Um, you're laying the groundwork for the people that are co- come after you that never happened because there was no one before you. It's our, it's, right. it's like our duty or our honor, not just to protect ourselves, but to set the expectations because other,
otherwise you turn in the VFX industry where every if every bit of work is commoditized. You really are just a tool. There's never going to be a union there. There's never going to be anything that has any kind of like rules or restrictions. We have to use our leverage mm-hmm. now with the people who need us, especially today. Like again, September 27th, 2021, we have the leverage to say, nope, this is what the rates are. This is what the expectations are. No, you don't get free overtime. No, you, we do have kill fees. Nope, you're not going to hire me on a job because I'm a cold body filling a warm or a warm body filling a cold seat. We're not working the weekends. Right. Or, or I'll work the weekends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if that's up to your personal decision, I'll work for the weekends, but it's for money. double and ha- Yeah, it's two <laughs> and a half times. And I, I'm sending that in a deal memo up front, right? I have a lawyer that I can call that can represent me if this starts to get out of hand. You know, like those basic things that like you have to treat it professionally now as a business so that everybody else already has the, the, the groundwork laid for them, right? So nobody else will ever try that again. Mm-hmm. And then we also tell people in forums like this that you can ha- you do have permission to leave a job. You do have a permission to ask for a kill fee. Mm-hmm. You do have the permission if someone books you for something that you have no right doing, whether it's too hard or it's too advanced or it's not in your skill set to say, hey, you booked me for three weeks, find something else within your system to put me on. I'd be more than happy to work on another project mm-hmm. or assist on something or if you need help with the pitch. But if you don't, then I want to kill fee for half my rate for half the time that you booked me for or whatever you feel comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. We're not a union that has strict and we never will be a unionized workforce that has like strict rules and regulations and we can argue till the sun goes down and comes back up again, whether or not we ever should, but we can at least set like basic expectations for like how we expect to be treated. So yeah, I think like those kinds of conversations need to be continual and easily accessed in terms of like where we have to pass it down. Like that's, that's uh, there's so many industries, even in the, in like the V, like the VFX, VFX industry, Mm -hmm. right? People don't want to share. People don't want to share their knowledge. They don't want to share what they learn. And we're the first generation really to go through this and that would be dumb not to pass along what we've learned to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. it comes to the time tracking and all of that stuff. Yeah. And the, the other thing that kind of folds into that as well, when it comes to time and time tracking, and I'm not sure who's going to agree with this. And some people might not agree with this. And I want to get your opinion on mm-hmm. this. Now, um, I was listening to an episode of back to work with Merlin Mann, one of my favorites. I quote him all the time, but, they were talking about time tracking in mm-hmm. general. And it was really weird to me because um, Dan Benjamin was asking Merlin Mann about time tracking. And he said he wasn't doing anything like super, 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 um, super nitpicky with the time tracking. It's not like he's timed. Oh, I worked for four minutes here and this is what I did and then I worked for five minutes here and then <laughs> right. 45 minutes and this is what I did and sending it to client. He's talking to Merlin about, oh, I'm just time tracking in general. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do you, if you're time tracking in general, can't you just say, okay, I worked around four hours on this today for your client because they don't want the, the, the details. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking about that and I'm like, to me, I know he's working on like, you know, web stuff or whatever, but to me, you know, I, I feel like I go by value a lot of yeah. the time. Yeah. When, when I'm time tracking, okay? If I worked an hour and a half on something, <clears throat> but I feel like the value is actually two hours because I sped, like I was really efficient in mm-hmm. how I did it. Mm-hmm. And I got it done really, and I'm like, okay, this looks really good for an hour and a half work. Okay, I'm, I'm going to put two hours on there. Mm-hmm. But then it works the other way too. I worked like four hours on this. I had to stop and start. Somebody called me. I got distracted. I, I, this, is, this doesn't feel like four hours of work. I'm going to charge two. Mm-hmm. Is there anything wrong with that? 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with anything on like a global scale, right? In terms of like, there's rules and regulations, right? Our industry is a lot like the film industry, and it's literally just based on relationships, right? Like you, you work with someone who trusts you, and you provide value for, right? And if we're, it's the value, yeah. But I mean, I, I firmly believe that you are what you spend your time talking about with your clients, right? So if you spend your time saying, "Look how fast I can do this for you," please bring me in again. They, you are teaching your clients what to think mm-hmm. about you as, right? But if you say to them, hey, look, y- your problem actually doesn't sound like it's the thing you're asking me for. I think it's actually this. And either I can do it or I can find someone that can help you do it. Down the line, you'll come back to me. That's a different expectation automatically, right? You're not talking about rates and hours and, and time that they're not, a, they're not even going into the conversation like, oh, you know, because that's, that's literally a trust question. If a client is asking you right off the bat, did you work two hours or did you work four hours on this? That's a trust question. That's not yeah. a bookkeeping question. That's not a cost. You know, they don't trust you because they either don't know what you do or they don't know who you are. And that that's the decision you need to make up um, automatically. Like, do you want to work with someone who doesn't trust you? Right. Or are you radiating something that makes you them not trust you? Right. You have to, you have to investigate them while you're also reflecting on yourself. Right. Maybe there's something in your communication style that's making them feel that way. Maybe they heard something about a way you worked from someone else that you have to now disprove. Right. Like I know a handful of amazing, like amazing animators that because of their communication style, they have rubbed people the wrong way. And there is a reputation in the industry, you know, for them. Right. And that they cannot understand why they're not at the same place that they, they see peers who aren't as skilled as them or as experienced them, but they don't do the self-reflection to think, well, what, what could be stopping it? If I'm faster and I'm better and my work has more value, I'm still not getting the same thing I see someone with half that. You have to kind of always be analyzing yourself while you're also like kind of like isolating and analyzing your clients. So I don't know if that answers the question completely, um, but I, I mean, I, I think you, you change the conversation. You know, like if... If someone wants to talk hours, you're if, a that's never going to be a client that's going to like value what you create, right? Mm-hmm. As a thing, they're just valuing your time, mm-hmm. um, and that's the kind of work relationship I don't think any of us got into this for, right? Like we didn't get into this just to be the most efficient person to make the most money because you would never mm-hmm. do that. You would never get emotion design to make a fortune. Um, so I, I mean, <laughs> that, that's a you know that's a job to like, a question I, for both yourself and your clients. See me personally, yeah. me personally, and I've talked about this before, where it's like, uh, say we're hiring on people to help with a project. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is always I, I I like to ask the question, you know, hey, how long do you think this is going to take? You know, See, uh, what do yeah, you think and, this is going to take? Because then I know. I know what they realistically or unrealistically, you know, if they're yeah. like, I think this is going to take eight hours, but they only spend four hours on it. But in my head, I'm like, okay, that's eight hours of work. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. what I'm, 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 I'm going to pay for that. So, you know? so I was answering, so even if, yeah. even if they do only spend four hours, but they charge me for eight hours, that's what mm-hmm. I'm budgeting in my head. And I don't give yeah. a shit, <laughs> you know? So, so that's what I was, <laughs> I was, I was answering the question that, that was asked before about like, what do you think about clients who are asking you about time and mm-hmm. all that stuff? Zach Lovett's saying in the chat as well. I think you should mm-hmm. always, always, always be, like I said, self-reflection. You should always be tracking the time you spent for your own purposes so, mm-hmm. because I, I do this still to this day. There's so many times where you see an assignment you're like, oh, I know exactly how to do that. And then you either do one of two things. You get into it and something doesn't work the way you thought it would, or you find a tool that you think might be able to do it better, but you have to learn it. So like, so you can know for the future. But I feel like it's easy to get stuck into the flow of what you think something should take and lose sense of what it actually is taking for your own, you know, like 
at any company, there's the the outward facing dialogue you have with customers, and then there's the inward facing dialogue you have with yourself and your team members. Mm-hmm. On the inside, you should always be tracking and know like down to the like fifteen minute increment how much time you've spent at least for the reasons you said, and also to mm-hmm. safeguard yourself from like whatever emotional kind of data you're generating. Like, oh, that went really fast, and you look up and it was six hours because you're having yeah. fun keyframing, <laughs> and yeah. you thought it only took two, yeah. right? Like, you have to protect yourself against that, or when you think it, you know, the opposite. So, I. I am of two minds. I think you should always be tracking the data for you, but you should not be reporting back constantly to someone else if they're asking you, did that take you four hours or two hours? Like that's yeah. not the relationship you want, I think, from your clients. Yeah. Because there's always other variables that go in with that when it comes to perceived value, right? Yeah. Like say you have a client that is super easy and you know they never have any changes. Can you do this project for $4,000? Well, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then the same project comes from a different client let's say and they are a problem client Mm -hmm. there's somebody that always has more changes and it's always out of scope and it always goes over budget you're immediately going to quote them six thousand dollars it's like (laughs) you know that you're going to have to do that and that's more about the perceived value and even if most of it is in like the emailing and the back and forth and things and it's actually the same amount of work when you get down to like you know cinema 4d yeah and after effects Mm -hmm. Again, that comes to perceived value. It's like, I know I'm going to have to spend two extra days yep. doing conference calls or having them pass mm-hmm. it to their their uh, figureheads in their company, yeah. and then they t- change something. Or versioning, you know, or they're, prepping the file yeah. after it's done for someone. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the thing that's important to remember is that when... So you're doing work for value for someone else, right? But a, a, a studio now in these days, for the most part, is like an import-export company, right? They're importing right. your your skill as an artist who can create something, and they're exporting by repackaging what you made with a bunch of other people out to someone that has a perceived value. So mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. for a thousand percent, whatever you are charging them, on the, on the money side, they are charging an overhead because they're the one who's packaging all this together as a product from the raw material you're providing them that like they're going to make money no matter what right because like like it, the mm-hmm. day you actually open up the excel spreadsheet and see what the rate is you're being charged for from a studio you're freelance or staff at mm-hmm. is the day you decide you need to up your rates right because it's yeah. it, like like by by nature by physics it has to be significantly more. maybe it's 25 percent more maybe it's 75 percent more right like when you become mm-hmm. a creative director the big moment of reckoning is when you realize oh my god i thought i was charging 800 or 900 dollars a day they're charging 1500 or 2000 dollars a day yeah. for my my time right but yeah. you also whether you're worrying about the money or not you should be doing that same calculation for overhead on your time right like just like you said mm-hmm. like because you need to protect yourself from a bad client or you want to take advantage of a really great client, right? Like that client is going to be happy no matter what if you provide what they need. If you know you can do it faster, you should be planning and taking advantage and looking for more of those situations. So protect yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) We have one client in particular who uh, literally in his eyes, I guess we can't do wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. the the second we send it, he's like, yeah, looks great. Render it out. You know, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. I started off giving him a discount. It was back, you know, a couple of years ago. We, we mm-hmm. gave him a discount because uh, that's, that's what he was used to paying or with other right. people. And he was like a friend of someone. So it's like, okay, that's fine. At no point did I ever raise my rates with him because it is such an easy client that it's like right. we do the work, no changes, it's easy, you know. Yeah. It's good to go. So I have a question for and you. I, don't when know you do that, any- I have a question mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. When you give a discount on your invoice, do you still list it as a discount with the full rate on, on, on the line? Yes. Not for not for this particular I client. Do. 
but for every <laughs> other for them, yeah. client, I would say that going we do forward, give a discount. Yeah. Yes, we do do that C- because that, yes, that at least because there's two reasons why that happens, right? Because if they do fall in love with you mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, what can I do for you? I can't give you any more work," you can always refer to that line item in the actual like like the bid or whatever you fill out. Mm-hmm. To say, well, you know what? I've been I, I didn't want to make a big deal, but I've been giving my discount rate because I wanted to work with you. But now that we're working regularly, you trust me. I'd love to like reduce the discount and or have a yeah. plan on going forward so you can so we can hit my full rate or what happens like we were saying earlier nine times out of ten someone leaves in billing and someone new comes in and you have an Mm -hmm. opportunity to leverage that to be like hey look we've been working together i no longer am offering the discount and you don't even have to say it that way you just the next time you bill you take the discount out and nine times out of ten that that doesn't give them the opportunity to say oh well you only charged us this much per hour last time yeah yeah exactly we have one client who we give a big bulk discount to you know like, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is a pretty big project. We'll lower our rates yeah. just a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and we mark that discount in there. But every other yeah. project that they give us, if it's a if it's a smaller one, you know, we're like, oh, no, full, full rate, full rate. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that goes to the yeah. freelancer equation of what I think a lot of students are doing now is that they're saying, okay, cool. We can give you a bigger part of this project or a longer run on this booking if you can give me a project rate versus yeah. like your hourly rate. And well, yeah. and, and like you have to get mm-hmm. in the negotiation of really doing the math like, okay, well, is it worth it for me to have less check-ins and get paid a little bit less, but now I know I have more hours free to book another client or it gives me my nights and mm-hmm. week. There, there's a lot more like math and consideration that goes into it when those things happen. You know, like yeah, like it, it, it's a different equation. Yeah, it's weird. It's even if I'm doing this, I think subconsciously, when a project comes in and I'm about to quote it, I already have a perceived valued number in my head. Mm -hmm. Always. It's like, I think what they want to do will cost this much money. And then I'll sit down and I'll start line line iteming Mm -hmm. it. And usually I'm pretty close, yeah. except maybe when it comes to things like uh, any sort of overhead and equipment costs and stuff, you know. Um, but for the most part, it, it you can usually feel something out about what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a question here in the chat. Uh, can we talk about revisions? Mm-hmm. I'm salary mm-hmm. and the only video motion guy in the whole company. Is it common to have five plus revisions on every project because <laughs> yes. it's a creative killer? Yep. I mean, yeah, yes. And, and that's the thing. Like, here, here's the thing. with If you're salary... If you're salary and you're yeah. working for a company, like yeah. you have no say in the amount of revisions that goes on. Right. Mm-hmm. What 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 you're and I, I, I don't I don't want to sound mean, you know. I, I mean this in no disrespectful way. But when you are when you are a salaried employee who is working for a company, you basically you are the one I don't want to say you're a button pusher because that, that sounds mean, you know? But that's kind of the way it is. It's like, okay, y- because there's still creativity involved, you know, but mm-hmm. you are the one who is creating the videos, you know, the end client, you've probably, you're probably, you know, two, one, two steps away from what the client is talking to versus the person who is, you know, the creative director mm-hmm. or the salesperson mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. So, of course, it's all going to come down to multiple revisions. And then you've got the revisions of the internal team. You've got the revisions from right. the creative director that before even the client sees it and stuff. And we deal with that, too, you know. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but with the client's client. With the client's client. Is, yeah. And yeah. then the client's client wants yeah. to see that, you know, and it's like, okay. 
you know, it's... But for us, if it comes to, like, more revisions than three revisions, yes. then it's out of right. scope yeah, and it's exactly. more money. That's for thing, you, yeah. a salary, that doesn't... That's up to your boss, and, and hopefully you have the type of boss that is is going to... Fight for you. Put their foot yeah. down and fight for yeah. you. Right. You know. Well, you, you're... I, I think what you... The, the nice way to say what you're trying to get at is, like, you... <laughs> <laughs> when you take a staff position, you're trading on creativity for security. It doesn't mean that you're Absolutely. not going to yes. be creative, but yes. you you right. are unfortunately a lot of times in staff positions in companies where you're creative, you are considered a tool to to yes. finish something or to accomplish something, right? And especially if you're in the situation that uh, I think uh, this person's talking about is that they're the only video motion person in the company, so you have no true advocate, right? Like you have no true person who understands yeah. what it takes. Yeah. So, so then it really becomes like on the onus is on you to start doing the investigative work to figure out where and why the constant revisions are company. And that's where you start picking like how you're going to do your internal networking. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. think you have to stop networking once you get a staff position mm-hmm. and it couldn't be further from the truth, right? Like to right, advance or right. to get a better quality of like work-life balance, your networking almost goes into like, like boosted mode, but it's in a much more narrow, like, like focus, mm-hmm. right? Like you need to find out like, is this coming because there's someone who doesn't know the questions to ask from the client is this uh-huh. coming because it's just from the source from the client and it's bothering everyone right like it could be something where you're like oh you know what our client just doesn't know what our process is or they have a language deficiency in terms of mm-hmm. understanding motion or graphic design and that becomes that becomes an opportunity right it could become a learning moment that you can actually teach someone a tool that they can actually get better at right and you're helping them and it's it's a much slower role and that like objectives are way less clear but you don't have to just sit and seem like, all right, I'm just going to take it five. I mean, that's why nobody stays staff, especially in this like environment where you need to. Yeah. Um, You know, but I think there are still opportunities to be had in terms of like, it's not on the box stuff, but you're learning that kind of gray area, kind of like soft skills of like, all right, now you have to really be a problem solver. Why Mm -hmm. am I getting five revisions? Right. Where is it coming from and why? And do I have anything to offer, you know, like to, to help that out? Like, can I, can I alleviate it by helping someone else? Not just myself. I have worked that. These can staff, be learning moments too. I've yeah. worked that staff position where you are literally the only person, yeah, you know, right. who understands what it takes in order to do. That's a video. what I was. And that is that's a yeah. hard place to be in because, yeah. like mm-hmm. you said, Ryan, there is no advocate for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. they don't know right. what it takes. They don't get it. You know, and how frustrating sometimes. I, I saw a really funny tweet uh, uh, right before the show, or it was someone Instagrammed. It was. It was. I, it may have been MoGraph memes, I don't know, but it said uh, after the client makes five plus revisions, and it's that scene from uh, from uh, the Godfather after <laughs> you know when he's looking down on Sonny and he goes, "Look what they did to my boy," <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, and exactly. it, it's it's so funny, it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's two types of bosses. There's the ones that have been in it and know exactly mm-hmm. what it takes to do something, and then there's the boss that says. After you've rendered something for 45 hours, they say, well, can you move that mm-hmm. little object yeah. one inch to the left? That's not a big deal, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that it could be, if you, you have to do this the right way, it could be a learning opportunity yeah. for your boss to be able to say, look, I, I know that we're each project is getting five or six revisions, and I know that four of them are internal every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there something that we can do to package the at least the revisions so we get all the mm-hmm. feedback we need in one run or at or two runs instead of four before it goes to the client yeah. Yeah. so that so that we can have a more efficient process because it, you know put it in terms of time and money it's going to save us time and time equals money yeah. mm-hmm. this and is where you, you this know. is where the lessons I've, I've gotten from some very like senior creative directors as well have come in handy that like 
we um we don't have a lot of confidence in ourselves in in this industry and obviously like, imposter syndrome is legit and real um mm-hmm. even if the like the rest of the data and the rest of the information does not support having that feeling um I've had creative directors who have literally like stopped me when I'm like, okay, cool. I, I know that the client just made the change on Friday. They want it on you know Monday. It's four o'clock at night. Let's see if we can get it out tonight so they can have it waiting for them on Saturday. And me and one other person are ready to like, we're going to order food. We're going to sit in. We're going to do this. And the client, the the creative director, I'm sorry, is like, go home. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? Well, we can't. We can't go home. He said he wanted it tomorrow. He's like, nope, go home. And you're you're getting almost like fight about it where you're like, no, we're going to do this. We've worked so hard. It's almost at the end. We have to finish. They're like, no, because if you don't go home now and we don't miss this deadline, every time we ever work with this person, they're going to think they can do this. And this mm-hmm. forces them mm-hmm. th- because mm-hmm. it only works with the right clients and the right time and the right advocate and the right leadership. But if, if you're working for someone who is not the final decision maker, right? Like if you're working for the visual effects producer, who's working for the director or you're working for the agency that's working for the brand. The final decision maker doesn't see us. They still mm-hmm. see that person at the agency or that VFX producer and mm-hmm. it will suck, but like you have to teach them. It's a very difficult point and you need the support of your, t- your company. But I've been around in multiple times where they're like, okay, no, we're going to not make this deadline. I'm prepared mm-hmm. and the team is prepared to take that hit, but we know we have all of the data and all the paperwork and all the emails to say – and like uh, James is saying, like you have to be prepared as the leadership to like, you could lose that one, but sometimes it's mm-hmm. worth losing that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the client yeah. you never want to come back. And we don't live in the world that the visual effects companies live in where there's only four clients and they all change every two years to be like in a different position and mm-hmm. you don't want to burn those relationships. If you never work for Samsung again, you know what? There's a lot of other people just like Samsung looking to work yeah. for you. So you can't do it all the time, yeah. but like there is a moment where like sometimes you have to like let it go and be like, okay, like we're going to teach someone and why it's going to be late. Let's be honest too. 99% of the time they have given you an arbitrary deadline. Yes. That's actually way earlier than when yes. they need it for <laughs> Yes. And just asking for an extra day yeah. is going to be totally fine. Yeah. And also there's, but we don't even think about it. There's yeah. also masochistic assholes. Like, let's just be totally honest. This is a very, <laughs> a very bro driven jocular industry that sometimes they're on the mm-hmm. shit end of a stick mm-hmm. that we don't see. So they're going to put us on the shit end because they can. I mean, I mean, there yeah. have literally been people quoted if they're willing to quote this in a newspaper and actually say it out loud. There have been producers that have said on visual effects driven movies, if I don't put a VFX studio out of business by the time I finish this movie, I haven't done my job correctly. If they're <sighs> saying that out loud, if they're saying the quiet part out loud to a mm-hmm. newspaper, mm-hmm. what do you think they really think? What do you yeah. think they really mm-hmm. do when no one's listening? So sometimes yeah. you have to. You know, do something you, it's against every instinct in yourself as an artist and a creative person and someone who believes in what they do and wants to be perceived as that. But that's why some creative arts industries are stuck in the positions they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why unions have to strike sometimes because yeah. for multiple <laughs> decades, that that they said that, by the way. I don't know what the producer's name was. I All don't right. remember, but it's def- you can find it. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. it, w- it was. I can say it was in response to the whole digital domain winning the winning the Oscar, then shutting down days afterwards, and yeah. the fury that mm-hmm. followed after that. So whatever time period that was, you yeah. can find the yeah. But but it's why IATSE is you know going to do a nationwide strike right now in the film industry, and everyone's not going to make anything for you know weeks if not months because mm-hmm. for multiple mm-hmm. decades people were just indoct- indoctrinated that you work until you're exhausted, you go you know sleep under a table for an hour, and then get back up and do it again for sixteen yeah. hours. So yeah, yeah. Shut up and get back to work. Yep. yep. <laughs> All 
Um, I got a couple links that I want to share, and I also want to make sure there are no more questions in the chat, and then we're also going to go to NFTs. Uh, we don't. We don't want to take up too much of your time today. I can't believe how fast this time has gone. By. I know. Like I know it goes. That up, was so, the yeah, shortest hour so and twenty minutes I have ever lived <laughs> yeah. in my life. I feel like we only, <laughs> we did get a little late start. I feel like we yeah. only um yeah. only t- talked a little bit. <laughs> like we only answered like we a couple questions. The surface. Yeah. Well, we got more. That's we got why more. I said um, just ask him one question. Yeah. We're, we're good for the show. Yeah. yeah that, right? <laughs> I do want to. I want. I, wanna, I yeah. do want to f- fix something. It was Rhythm and Hughes specifically. Yeah, it was Rhythm. Oh, I was um, but Digital Domain went through an even worse implosion. But Rhythm and Hughes was the studio that did all that work. Yeah, that was during yeah. the uh, uh, Life of Pi stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I'll switch over to these uh, links real quick, and then we'll come back to any questions that come up in the chat here. So uh, go ahead and get those in. And um, the first one I wanted to link to Jags. He's got this uh, this extended mm-hmm. like blog version of his Camp MoGraph experience, which is super cool. So make sure you get on that. Check that out. It's like eight minutes long. It's uh you know his his view of like his view of camp. I wish everybody had one. Yeah, <laughs> that that would be really cool. Everyone God, did like, their everybody's own blog. perspective. I would love to see that. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, what they did and, and all of that. So make sure you check that out. And also, this is kind of an old link, but I wanted to mention it. I've had it in the list for a couple of weeks, and, and I skipped over it by accident, is um, the the British GQ video on Beeple. On oh, yeah? Mike Winkleman. And it was just good because it kind of goes behind the scenes. It's a little more than the usual... Oh, Mike Winkleman, what is an NFT? Like, right. he gets into some stuff. He shows his facility where he's doing some NFT stuff, all of that. It's 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 a nice little mini deep dive. And then also, oh, I, I his link to Lil Nas X's TikTok when he's talking about his his uh, his new album because there's some Blake Catherine art yeah. floating around nice. on his TikTok account. Um, he did deliver his baby. Oh, good. If, if anybody was interested, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's already put off Damien? the weight so quick. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the weight is off though. I don't, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool because you see a lot of Blake Catherine stuff floating around his TikTok, and um, that's cool. And then Dry Ink. I wanted to mention the Dry Ink pack uh, that's available from uh, mm-hmm. Grayscale Gorilla and Grayscale Gorilla Plus. Now yeah. they had a really funny Instagram. Loved it. They yeah. were showing off different things, and in there buried was Bab twenty twenty four. Yeah. So. Node Look Commander as well. Easter the egg. Node Commander. Is I Node like Commander in yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I still rock yeah. my Node Commander shirt all the time. That one was <laughs> short-lived. I got like four of them because I was trying to... I had to keep on reordering them to see if the 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 line weight was good enough, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I've got some extra Node Commander shirts floating around. <laughs> um the question here is in the chat, what is MoGraph going to look like mm-hmm. after COVID? Mm-hmm. Meaning as far as LA, New York, being hubs, things like that. Can, I, say can I give my little yeah, bit please real quick? Yeah. You know, sure. because uh, this is what I've noticed, uh, especially since the beginning of COVID, even up until now. Um, studios and big clients and stuff like that, like they have completely changed the way that they work and are much more willing to work with remote artists now you know Mm -hmm. 
which is great yes. for us yeah. as artists because it means anyone, no matter where you're at, can actually work with some of these major big players yep. that, you know, artists normally dream of. And they're like, oh, but I'll have to move to San Francisco yep. or New York or L.A., you know, to go and work for that. But now it's like. No, they're comfortable with working with remote artists or they've worked in such a way that it's like, okay, we've we've figured out how to keep things safe, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I had to go even further. I think studios are now finally comfortable hiring staff remote anywhere mm-hmm. based on the needs because because studios can't find people freelance let alone staff um, yeah. i think the only only and it, 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 it pains me to even say this out loud this way but the only potentially positive thing about covid going longer than everybody expected it to is that it's forcing more and more studios to shed this whole you have to be in the same room kind of mm-hmm. um idea yeah. that that you know maybe there are times when it'd be nicer too but there's no reason with like the fact that we're having this long conversation that you can be in discord that i can stream my screen to a creative director to do check-ins mm-hmm. at any time um, it has its own drawbacks but I think um, distributed rendering the fact that everybody has really fast machines that render engines yep. are getting quicker um, that this the ability to kind of send this out to all different places is happening that all of this is really pointing to and when COVID goes away if and when it does that this is not going to go back. We are, we are, we are not mm-hmm. waiting for a time to go back. Like everybody's waiting to go back into movie theaters, that this is the next normal, whatever that means. Like it's going to yeah. change. I, I also think though, that we have to be careful about it because the industry is also reacting very quickly, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe it's happening more at the tech companies and, and it's going to filter into us. But right now, when this first started, if you were staff and you moved, you know, like if your company lets you move somewhere, like to, you know, get away from all this stuff, if you're in LA or New York, and you're like, we want to keep you on staff. You're like, I want to move to Austin or I want to move to Idaho or mm-hmm. wherever. Everybody was staying at the same rates, right? But I've already started hearing that there's already rate, like salary adjustments and day rate adjustments being made at the higher end, right? At the tech companies that are hiring hundreds of people that can do the data analysis understand like, Mm -hmm. well, you know what? Your cost of living is like dramatically less than what we were going to pay you in LA. So you can stay on, but there's going to be some Mm. adjustments made or even more likely just like when you're hired. I don't think it's going to affect the average day rates for just motion designers freelancing for a long time because yeah. I think this this talent drain is is going to stay for a while. I don't think all of a sudden when you can go out and start shooting live action that means there's going to be less motion design work. I think we are just we are at the cusp anyway and people are learning that you don't have to deal with a lot of the aggravations of dealing with live action the inflexibility, the ability to art direct something to the last second in motion design is a lot easier than it is with live action mm-hmm. so I don't think like there's going to be a sudden drop or a readjustment in terms of the amount of work that's out there, but there's still going to be a ton of seats. But I also, I, I do think that it's not just all, you know, like positiveness and happiness. I think there is going to be an adjustment going back in terms of like, there's also the problem that you're available 24 seven. There's an expectation that you have yeah. to be available. Okay. If you're going to be remote and you're going to be sitting next to your bed, if I really need something, you better have your phone next to you because I'm going to call you, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not everybody, but it's happening way more than it was in the past. So I, I think it's, it's like 95% better, but that 5% is still like something to be concerned about or be aware of. Yeah. I think, I, 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 I think it's interesting mentioning the, uh, Oh, we're going to pay you different because your cost of living is, Mm -hmm. is different, you know, because to me, that's a really shitty company to work for because, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it all goes back to, you know, me hiring a freelancer, him telling me it will only take four hours when he knocks it out in two or something like that. Mm -hmm. To me, I am paying 
I am paying for a a a person. You know, mm-hmm. I I am hiring a person. It does not right. matter to it's me the value of the where work. they live or whatever because it uh, to or me what decisions it they is made about their cost all of living right. about like, you know it is all about uh uh having that person available to me you know Mm -hmm. not about where they live i think that's really shitty that a company would do that hi my name is sashia dumont i'm a writer actor and filmmaker hi my name is paul robinson i'm a director dp and filmmaker we are the creators and hosts of the go gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film we are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of send three productions and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro budgets with skeleton crews Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your, your source, source for, for all things indie film. film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. I don't you think know. it's right. I don't think it's right, but there are examples of it definitely happening, right? Yeah. Like if, yeah, if, for sure. if a lot of people are trying to run away from like working for a motion design shop to go to a tech industry, whether that's, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it's Apple, Facebook, Google, X startup that has tons of VC money, they are in the process of doing that, right? Like they yeah. are because they it, they want to push people back into the physical locations to justify the fact that they have crazy rents and that they have crazy overheads that mm-hmm. they can then charge for. Right. But if all of a sudden yeah. it's like, well, you have people distributed everywhere. What am I charging all this money for? I want to see your books, which sometimes when you get a job with the right client, you literally have to open up the everything. You have to literally mm-hmm. justify, okay, you're paying a creative director, two art directors, six people. Why are you, why am I, why am I getting charged this much in your, your line items, especially if you're not holding a place that I can go and interact with them. Like you can't assemble the troops because mm-hmm. you don't have a space for them. Like I'm not saying it's right. And I don't think it's going to happen like immediately to every single motion design shop, but it is definitely happening in the tech sector that a lot of people are celebrating about going to working and getting out of the motion design industry to get those, those high rates. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I agree. Yeah. Like I, and that goes back to the conversation we're saying at the beginning, like you are not being employed just for your ability to hit a day rate. Like you're theoretically like at, at today, right now, what is a studio compared to what it was five years ago, right? Before a studio used to be comprised of creatives making bespoke art with technology and techniques that you couldn't get anywhere else. But now mm-hmm. all that's gone. We're all using the same computers. We're all using the same software. To the From the outside looking in, it looks like a studio is basically just the history of it's work. It's your that, brand. Yeah, but what's a brand? brand? What's a brand if those people aren't even physically like connected? Like, I, I think this is my short way of saying I think the leverage is highly on the independent artist to go out and make more money right now and go out mm-hmm. and get it while you can mm-hmm. because it will find a way to return to some type of normal. If that's yeah. less or more, I'm not going to predict that. But um, I, like when I sat at for anybody who needs a shot, Imaginary Forces, I can understand why Imaginary Forces <laughs> was who it was because it was a collective of people that were all sticking together because they were better together in the same room collectively day to day because they were shared knowledge. They were having shared experiences. They had shorthands. I would work with an editor and a flame artist and a live action shooter every single day. And we were faster and better and smarter and more creative. But when you blow that up and at any day you're working with any collaborate connection of any kind of random people, 
what is an imaginary forces? What is a digital kitchen other than the machines and the history, the demo reel that says you should trust us. We mm-hmm. still have the same people, you know, but like, if you don't like it, it, what a studio, a big box studio actually is, is a very curious thing in a time of COVID to me. Mm-hmm. But if you get enough people, creative people working on something special, even if they're remote, I mean, there is value to being in the same room. I total, I'm not Ooh, discounting that, but if you, yeah. If you get those people in other rooms, like that can still, your brand can still succeed because you're picking the right people to work with remotely, mm-hmm. you know, and you're bringing in the right people. And, and also on the, on the topic of, of the pay, it's like, let's say you lived in LA and your rent was $3,500 a month and you went and moved to North Carolina because the cost of living was lower and now you're paying 800 mm-hmm. a month in rent. You shouldn't be penalized for what you're making based on making a yeah. good call to go lower yeah. your bill. Or even, should, even moving. <laughs> I've heard of people moving to Texas or moving to yeah. Florida because mm-hmm. there's no you right. know state income tax. And it's right. like... These yeah. companies should be happy that we're moving to one of these, you know, states so that they're not having to pay the state income tax that comes along with having right, an employee right, there. Yeah. You shouldn't, but yeah. you have to remember at the same time, I'm not talking about like motion design studios, but I'm talking about big companies <laughs> and agencies. At the same time, they have a team of people in the accounting department that are actually calculating how much money they've saved in air conditioning for the last year and a half to mm-hmm. decide how many yeah. people they're actually going to invite back yeah. versus the savings that they've incurred over their 20 different places. across. Like you're not dealing with the same kind of human being that you <laughs> yeah. and I are, yeah. right? Like it's a yeah. different, it's a different classification of like people who are making these decisions. So yeah, like, like data driven only. Well, and there's also just people who just don't think that you're worth what you're worth no matter what so they're always going to look for ways to cut it right like we know Mm -hmm. that that's a definition of a bad client at some point down the line right like there's people Mm -hmm. who are going to pay the least they think they can get away with that's why we have fiverr and all these other garbage situations Mm -hmm. that people find themselves in and have you know like just accepted (laughs) because there are people who don't think you're worth it and they're going to try to you know pull out as much as they as much as you will let them pull out Mm -hmm. yeah totally i want to get your hot takes on NFTs, Ooh, okay. Before we run out of time, Let's do it. so so we're gonna go ahead and move over to the drop. If I can find my mouse, <laughs> uh, here it is. Here we go. The drop, drop, drop. Is this the fucking mic? Drop. This is exactly what I should be doing. What's up, and welcome to this week's episode of the Drop, your weekly source for all things NFT and crypto art, as well as upcoming drops by notable people in the MoGraph industry. I'm Matt Milstead. Joining me, as always, is Dave Koss, and joining us this week is Ryan Summers. We're going to get his hot take on NFTs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But first, Um, first, let's talk about some drops. Yeah, let's go into some drops. Some really cool artists this week. Um, Right now, Nifty Gateway is doing this thing. It's, uh, oh boy, what did they call it? (laughs) Crap, I didn't write it down. I should have written it down. Uh, you know, the gateway. thing. Yeah, the, the thing, thing. The thing. The thing. It's the uh, Nifty-bees. Is it oh, like yes. a Su- Sotheby's? Uh, Is it supposed to be Sotheby's? Thing? I don't know. I see what you did there. Very clever. But there's a bunch of uh, a bunch of really good artists. Uh, basically, they're auctioning off single artist stuff. You know, you've got artists like Hakatu and Ferocious and Fuckrender and Mad Dog Jones and stuff like that, all uh, uh, being offered on this, which is pretty cool. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty neat. Um, and that's actually going from today. No, it ends today. And then uh, yeah, mm. it was so it's been going the past couple days up until today. 
and then uh, the 27th and for those who are listening to this later on being like oh i want to get in on that um too late too late <laughs> yeah so um the other one there's another artist dropping today that's uh i'm gonna mess up all these names because uh I, yeah that's what we do that's what we do uh yeah. uh lucho paletti paletti i think this one was really cool i like so I, the the art pieces are really wow. really rad you know, so this might be one that I hop into and purchase. Let me see if you go. Can you go to uh, go go up one thing to uh, their actual like Twitter account, and you can mm. see a lot of their work. Their work is intricate and gorgeous oh, go. and illustrative, wow. and like just so so pretty. Like, yeah this this is a yeah, rad artist. That's pretty intricate, wow. right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. Here's another one for uh, uh, Nifty. Here, here, Dave. Uh, check this one out because this one was is cool. In, I just is it in the uh, send it, it in the, the dingus. dingus? Yep, it's in the dingus. <laughs> All right. See, it's like yeah. I, I start putting this stuff together. Like this one was posted at eight ten a.m. You know, for the Nifty drop, and it's like, oh, I had already done the the drop. The notes. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty. I like it. Super exciting. What does it say? I don't know. Monta, Monta, Monta something. Monta Monetta? Davina. Davina? Davina? Yeah. Look how intricate that is. Man, that God, is so super intricate. good. Yeah. 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 So uh, cool, anyway, cool, yeah, cool. that's uh, that's today at 6.30, um, 6.30 Eastern time. Let's see. And then the next person we've got up is, um, oh, boy. Asanachi? Asa, yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, and Dun right. Jazzy. Um, really cool artist from, uh, Nigeria. Um, so has these like super cool looking, like, uh, they show off the work anywhere. No, or, they don't. God, why, do actually, you, why, why not? Put I, the work I don't know. In these? I don't know. See, it's, it's frustrating. I, I feel like Nifty show Gateway like talks to these people and says, Oh, you need to do a video, but you need to tease it. It's like they tease it, but they don't actually show the work. All I, all, all I ever want to see is the work. <laughs> like yeah the last person that we saw i saw that work was cool and i was like yes i will probably buy that you know right but like right. not showing off the work now i mean unless you, you know can the go artist, to their twitter right? page if you know and the you artist can see yeah. the artist and you can see what their work you know this one uh, uh uh it's 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 cool work it's cool work you know but it's like yeah show me show me a show me a cool like preview so uh that one's on the 29th uh next up on the 30th anthony as a quo, a super wow. great artist. Like this is killer work. I believe uh, this is another uh, Nigerian uh, uh, artist. I believe. Uh, yeah. I wonder if this is digital and drawing. This, or if this is, is. I think this is paper. actual physical, like painting and stuff like that. Because yeah. uh, the 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 red man. Uh, that he did, It'll, you'll see it's like a bright red painting. Yeah, but see the this. see the difference in reaction when we can actually see this and be like, yeah. wow, look at this Absolutely. art, as opposed like, to like just this. a thing that says, hey, I have a drop. Right. This is like, gorgeous work. So, but also you have to keep in mind that was I, I I posted that in there because I couldn't find one that said, oh, this is my upcoming drop. I just posted their work so that you could so much see more what impactful it's like. to man, see that it's gorgeous stuff super yeah. gorgeous stuff yeah so um let's see that's it for nifty gateway nifty. just a few mm-hmm. things um then over on maker's place uh tom morello from rage against the machine 
is oh, doing yeah? a, uh, a drop <laughs> with Peter right. Moorbacher, I believe. It's like a, uh, I want to say it's like a Dungeons and Dragons y type thing, you know? Uh, yeah. That one the looked Order like Warcraft. Karos. Karos. Yeah. Uh, y- yeah. It's the collection of the characters and heroes he played from his childhood basement, you huh. know? Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, fun. very pretty looking stuff. I find it weird that it's Tom Morello, but whatever. You, you know, know, I I thought it was weird last week when uh uh what's her name Shakira was doing a drop, mm-hmm. uh, but that one ended up doing quite well. I I believe yeah, I one did. of them sold for thirty thousand dollars, which is crazy. Yeah. And so. it didn't do as well as uh, what was the other? It one didn't do we as well as T Pain. Uh, like I, I'm surprised, yeah. dude. T Pain's was legit from yeah, like it was. a it was. from like like you know uh, uh, Shakira's was like these these very pretty cinemagraphs and stuff like that. But man, T Pain's like that's still the odd the 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 auction's still going on. And it's only up to like two grand. It's like man, if I had the money, I would buy that one because that T Pain one was sweet. You know, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. <laughs> next up <laughs> next up on the 30th we've got uh, uh, I'm gonna say that it's probably Sergeant Slaughtermelon um, I believe <laughs> you, you skipped Tyler Gordon my, did I sli- my, skip my Tyler good Gordon? sir oh I did skip, yes. skip Tyler Gordon okay yeah, yeah and actually I want to talk about this because okay. I'm annoyed by this one I'm sorry Tyler Gordon Tyler Gordon is doing a collaboration with Common Spirit Health Common Spirit Health Common Spirit is health. a yeah, um, you know, is that a each, brand? Yes. Oh yeah, it's like a healthcare provider, and it's oh. like WTF. Okay, so next we're gonna get like Blue Cross Blue Shield right. along with uh, <laughs> someone else, yeah. and it's like really, does Common Spirit Health in Health whatever? Anyway, <laughs> Taco yeah. Bell, Taco Bell, and Slipknot. I yeah, mean, and J.P. Morgan Chase. J.P. Like, Morgan Chase along with Fawocious. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I just feel, I, I, I whatever, to each their Who, own. Who's who's generating? <laughs> I, I think the place to be in this space right now, ha, is like to be the people who are actually connecting these totally disparate right. groups of people that would that would never yeah. even give each other right. the time of day that mm-hmm. are just like, 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 do you think Shakira, I mean, I could be totally wrong because I, I, I felt very cynical about a lot of this stuff like mm-hmm. Paris Hilton with whatever and then I've seen like the kind of interesting stuff that's come out of that. Like, do you think all these celebrities are like, man, I got to get into this NFT thing. I've been on the sidelines Probably. watching it. Do, I, I mean, do you yeah. think they're really watching or do you I think don't it's know. If a lot of them are like, oh, I need to do this. You know? I think there's agents with I packaging think, deals that absolutely. are like, you've got to get in early because look what happened with like, um, uh, who was it that got into like energy water and now they don't, there's a rapper that got into energy water. Oh, 50 uh, Cent? Yeah, 50, 50 Cent. Like, yeah. He got into it. And, didn't like, he, he own that? He did, he did own it. He, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, he, he came then, in as like an investor yeah. after it already started. Right. But like, I mean, like, look at, look at, I, I watched the Savage Fenty thing that's on Amazon from Rihanna and she is like, literally got minted a billionaire like less than a month ago because she got in early on actually like stewarding and driving her own lingerie and like beauty makeup line. And now there's a million people trying to like race to catch up to her. But like that, that had to come from someone also with her interests that like, I feel like there's gotta be a handful of people who are like, I'm really into this. Like, how do I take advantage of it? And then there's other people who are just like, nope, just, you got to do this. You know how we're going to have you do a record deal and sing? Nope. You're going to do NFTs. Yeah. I guarantee you because, you know, having... Oh, vitamin water. Yeah, vitamin, vitamin water. It was vitamin yeah, water. Yeah, vitamin yeah. water. Um, yeah. 
the the thing is, I guarantee you, there are shops out there that are like, hey, let's let's hook up these artists mm-hmm. and then let's find you know some people who are who want to make nfts i guarantee you a lot of these people t-pain i bet you anything someone didn't approach him he i, I feel like he did he, it. he found he, somebody and, yeah. yeah he found someone you know but this is a good opportunity for people who are looking to find brands i guess to, to, to get you yeah, know, yeah some right work with i mean personally i think i'm going to hit up cvs's nice brand <laughs> you know cornflakes and see if we can do a collab. Right, right, yeah, absolutely, you know. absolutely. Dude, yeah. uh, uh, Dorpy needs to, you know, needs to get on that Kibbles and yeah, Bits pure- and be Purina. like, oh, that Kibbles pure- and Purina. Bits, yeah. you know? That's right. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Awesome. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, actually, absolutely, like, uh, yeah. like James says, when money's involved, people bend, you know? Because yeah. you talk though. about, you. I mean, it's very easy just to say, oh, Paris Hilton made this much. Oh, Shakira just mm-hmm. made this much. Oh, there's an NFT artist named Beeple who you may not have heard of who made this mm-hmm. much. And it's like, what? You know, yeah, oh, yeah, dollar like, signs. Okay, just sign me up. Whatever. Yeah. There's, b- there's boardrooms lining up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, then you have the then you have the uh, uh, them not realizing that, oh, they're also going to have to pay the uh, the, mm-hmm. the uh, record label and stuff like that. And they're going to end up mm-hmm. coming yeah. home with like 20 bucks. Right. And, and, After the and record labels take all their money. Burning whatever whatever kind of authenticity they have as actual capital too for anybody right. if they ever want to do it again, right? Like the, I don't I don't feel like this uh this space is gonna have a short term memory for a lot of this stuff, right? If somebody generally yeah. wants to try to get back in the like, but we, you were the one who did this. Like, wait a second. Yeah. Like it, it feels like there is like a you're either in it or not, and you're either taking advantage of it or you have like a honest like a, a, an interest in just the in the artist as well as yourself along absolutely. the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Oh, you got one more. Yeah, I got one, one more. more. Sergeant Slaughtermelon. That's right. Let's <laughs> go back to Sergeant Slaughtermelon. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this one was cool. So, like, uh, reading the description, it's a pl- project in creating digital art with glitch aspe- aesthetics, um, sometimes using processing scripts that are altered or coded oh, from scratch, which is pretty cool. So, it, you know. Really? Like creating generative generative art and stuff like that by doing coding. I think that's rad, you know, like that's a, a new, I don't know. That's it, cool. I think, I feel like that yeah. goes well with the NFT space and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so a community, um, we got some community yes. here. Uh, talk about uh, Paul. Yeah. Let's talk about Paul. So uh, uh, our good friend, Mr. Paul Robinson, um, our original fan you know um has has been killing it in the nft space you know and i'm i'm super super happy for him um he just released it released a three-part nft um it is um uh you can get all three parts on maker's place um right now uh right now while there's still some left i think they're uh they're uh they're getting sold pretty quick so um, let me see. I'm I love the up. concept of the two zero ending thing. That's just really cool. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that concept. That is cool. Yeah. And I'm trying to look it up, but my collect them now. What are you trying to look up? I'm trying to actually look it up, but you know, uh, Maker's Place's uh, search is awful. So he's <laughs> right. only yeah. There's only like seven of each. There's a. It's an addition of ten, and there's only like seven left. And he just dropped them just like the day or two ago. So. Uh, get in while you can. Super cool stuff. I love Paul's work. Yeah. So, I also wanted to talk quickly about there's this there's this thing, and I'll put a, a link in the in the notes for this. And and it's a 
Minecraft's another random NFT like collectibles thing that mm-hmm. uh, is just you know uh, I don't understand it. You know, yeah. it's one of those things. But uh, people are doing it. There's a TikTok for this one guy who was showing it off. His name is uh, Niftiest. That's his name on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I'm sorry, not Twitter, on TikTok. And he's talking about the fact that there are now these NFTs that are, like, collectible lists. All it is is text. And if I could find a a shot of it somewhere here. Um, So, for example, think about, like, yeah, like, titanium ring, war belt, uh, just, just, like, chain boots pendant. And it's just a list of text. (laughs) I feel like these are people's seed phrases. You're buying, you're buying, <laughs> yeah, you're it, right. You're you're buying these lists of text, and that's the NFT. And mm-hmm. it's almost like there are these these text of collectibles. Maybe maybe it could coincide with a game or or yeah. I don't know I Dungeons dumb. and Dragons. I don't understand. So you're gonna, gonna buy, you're gonna spend a thousand dollars on five pieces of text. Yeah. It's yeah, whatever. All right, okay. <laughs> All right, we'll go with if that. You guys, if sure. you guys don't understand it, I get worried because I feel like this is where everybody's everybody who has the worst inclinations about NFTs, like it, they feel justified, where they're like, "See, see," and they just start pointing. Like that's what I meant. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, like when you're doing NFTs, sometimes you hear something like that. I mean, the thing about NFTs in general, mm-hmm. when you hear about NFTs the first time, you're like, "It's what?" And yeah. then you're like, "Oh, I get it." So maybe these text things will make sense down the line. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm just mm-hmm. not cool enough to understand. <laughs> yeah. You know? But uh, we'll see. We'll cool. see. Check out that TikTok. Follow that. Follow that dude. He's he seems pretty interesting. Maybe he's yeah. got the answers. Yeah. Maybe it's him. Know. Maybe he's the engine driving it all. Yeah. What does Dorpy think about that? What does Dorpy think about that? <laughs> I don't. I don't have any comments from Dorpy on that. But you okay. know, I think he is uh, supposed to show up at any point now. Right. Oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> oh, Dorpy, hey, what a surprise! I wasn't expecting you. How's it going? It's pretty good. Yeah. I'll, I'll make this quick today because I got a lot going on in the uh, bark round. In the in the back, oh gosh, the bark round. That yeah, was a good. That was, that was a, that was a no. dad joke slash yeah. pun. <laughs> that one's probably the worst one you've had so far. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I'm working on a new Lego NFT right now. That's my new deal. Okay. Well, I can't call it Lego or I'll get sued. You know, but it's a bunch of Lego dogs in 3D, and it's called Everything Is Possum. Oh gosh. I feel like somebody's already done that. That's too that yeah. that's it's ready made. <laughs> Everything's possible. Yeah. Stupid yeah. poses. Yeah. <laughs> it's really time consuming to get all the bricks placed just right, but uh I guess you could say I'm building up to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just like I can imagine EJ's face right now while he's typing. <laughs> Okay, I gotta go. My lunch is almost ready. I can smell it. I'm cooking up some uh, wolf brand chili. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> I think we have to license Triumph the Insult Dog to come on. Right? To be on the opposite oh, yeah, side of the window. Yeah, he needs a good. cigar. <laughs> yeah, I'm running, out, I'm running out of dog puns after 30 yep. episodes, so you're just going to hear some really bad general puns, yeah. you know? I'll just pull from my dad jokes for that. I did enjoy so. the wolf brand chili. That was a good, that was, that was good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any other <laughs> NFT things we want to talk about um, before we Bone World today? that we talked about last yes. week is actually dropping uh, tomorrow, so uh, that should be, that'll be fun. 
that one. And then, you know what? There was one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and I thought this was really, really cool. Uh, where is it? Okay, it's called uh, Boss Beauties. This was another Boss one of Beauties. those um, collectible ones. BossBeauties.club. It was cool. Uh, it's a... a it was basically these, you know, the 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 NFTs, you know, the generated NFTs were like the like CryptoPunks or, you know, the visitors or something where it was all these successful women looking, you know, NFTs and stuff like that. Uh, uh, let me see if I can send you the link. I got um, I got the it. Open C collection. Yeah. Click on the open C collection and you kind of see what it is if it'll actually load for. But uh, there we go. It's very cool. It's like all these professional women in different, like you know, uh, uh, different careers and stuff like that. I don't know. It was, re- it was pretty cool. And that one, that one blew up really quick. Cool. Like the for- floor pl- price for it is already point uh, uh, point two nine ETH, which is crazy. It was really cool. So good to see yeah. that one happen. These are cool. Well. Yeah. Yeah. What are most people using to generate this kind of stuff? Like, is there a lot of scripting and stuff going on? Are people doing a lot of this stuff manually? So. You know, seems like a lot of work to to figure to get yeah. all that. You know, because you look at these in particular. If you use this one as an example, a lot of them have the same hat or yeah. the same flower. It's just yeah. like these mix and match combos. I'm just wondering how people are going about creating these. Yeah. Uh, without having to just kill themselves. I mean, you I, know, I would I would assume you could. You could code them all together. So I'm, I'm sure you Somehow, can code something yeah. in order to create a whole bunch of yeah. generative things. Yeah. I bet people have like different. I bet a lot of people have a lot of different systems to yeah. go about. Yeah. Doing. I bet there are some people out there trying to like manually go through and do each one, and that's got to be just yeah a lot of work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ryan, anything? So, yeah. Any, you got anything else NFT wise? Uh, man, I, I'm just I'm not in this space, but I'm um. I'm curiously interested. I think I'll be totally honest. When it first started, it rubbed me. A lot of it rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. In, in this, like obviously, like there was all the environmental concerns, which I'm sure have been talked right. to death and disproven sure. in certain ways. Um, and there's people and are who are getting just, better. The, yeah, the yeah, pieces and, that are yeah. yeah. And there's people who are going to stand by that uh, f- for eternity because it, mm-hmm. it's just their their stance. For um, reasons. I find it interesting that there are some like whole industries that if you even mention NFT, like you're out, you know, like, like the TV animation mm. industry, if you even start talking about NFTs are just like, get out of here. Like, like it's just like blacklist. Mm. Like people just don't want anything to do with it for whatever reason. I don't know where, like what, what the specific reason are, is that causes it. I mean, for me, I, the things that have been really exciting because I'm not in it and tracking it. I feel, I feel a lot like if you weren't there at the beginning and are like in it, it's like if you were born in the fifties mm-hmm. and you went away and like worked in a factory and you you just came up for air when you're ready to retire and you thought the world was going to look exactly the same as you expected. And all of a sudden there's like rap music. You're yeah. like, and, but it's been going for like 30 years and there's all the, the like shared history and knowledge and the, the clapbacks and all the like, and you just don't know any of that. I think it's, it's so intense that you need to be on top of everything to understand like what's happening. Like yeah. the language is still being formed, the systems, the platforms, like what an NFT actually even is, what it can do. I think that like, there's just people who are just like, I can't hold on anymore, man. Like I can't keep up with it. Um, and I feel like I'm coming from the opposite. Like I was so kind of turned a little bit about it that now I feel like I'm trying to find the places to like find access to Like where, where do I go like this, the show, mm-hmm. like to just be like, where's my place in it? Like, where do I fit in? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. there's more and more. Yeah creatives that are like okay i'm interested i don't even i'm not in like i will never be at the place where i'm interested in as speculation right like i appreciate the fact that that is a good 
portion of the engine that is driving it and that's what turns off a lot of people mm-hmm. I, I think if you're going to call anything art it's going to have an, an element of speculation right like mm-hmm. to think otherwise is again like showing you're just like immaturity like you could want it not to ever be but with this like ability to have these platforms and the money that's being thrown on it's always going to be there right there's always going to be shilling there's always going to be like duplicitous mm-hmm. behavior there's always going to be people taking advantage of people mm-hmm. and you decide your threshold for that right but like like if you're mad that that's what it is like that okay cool so just stay away from it forever because you're also not going to like the brick and mortar art world right like it's just not mm-hmm. for you right like that's yeah. fine yeah. what i am super super stoked and i think it's common sense and it's obvious but the fact that people actually own something and I think this is why it's so powerful in the motion design industry is that we've defined ourselves as not being able to own anything, right? Like mm-hmm. you almost define motion industry that you're making work for someone else for your career. Yeah. Right. And we've celebrated people who have done that so well that we've just like normalized it. And people are either pushing against or embracing this so strongly because this is the first real time anyone in the motion industry, other than making like texture packs or some tutorials yeah. can right. own their actual art and see like, like you can go out into the world and see what the perceived value of it is. And I think it's why it pisses people off because there's people who their art, if it was by our standards as motion designers, making stuff for other people, this stuff should sell like huge, like fucking crazy giant numbers. Yeah. And the one-to-one does not connect for a lot of people. You know, like the people I've talked to that are like, not opposed to it because of the environment, but they're opposed to it because like this doesn't make sense why this sold as much as it did and why this has never been touched before. Right. Like people don't want to accept the fact that they're, station or their cred or their art making capabilities could be dismissed mm-hmm. for whatever reason right like i don't know i i don't like the amount of like i didn't like the like the shilling that was going on like i was trying to get in a clubhouse and dave yeah. co was mm-hmm. really like man you should check this out this could be cool mm-hmm. and i liked i liked like especially like hen like he was trying to get me into that early on and i liked the idea that there's just a space for artists to make stuff and share it and trade it and mm-hmm. like pr- help promote each other for nothing other than just awareness, right? Like yeah. there was no implication that would ever be something of, and it feels like Hen is even starting to have that sea change as well, where like, people are making mm. not people money, but people are making yeah. like money, like it's yeah. legit. And I think that it, in in my mind, it feels a lot like I, I reference this so much because I came of age in Chicago when like the grunge scene was starting, so all these bands like. Went in all these different permutations, right? There's bands who just made the music they're going to make and said, screw everything. There's other mm-hmm. ones who went and grabbed for the gold ring and made it and are career artists. There's other people who imploded right when they tried to do that. And I feel like there's a lot of that, right? Like there's just like – yeah, the, it's such a, a like volatile, unsteady, interesting place to like make art. So – this is bottom this line. Is, I like just finding new people. Like yeah. you just mentioned, like artists mm-hmm. I've never heard of in Nigeria. That would never happen in motion design, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Any day in the history mm-hmm. of motion design, yeah. I would never see that person come across my radar, even mm-hmm. when I was trying. But yeah. because of this, you know, you are. So I, I, that, that part is, I'm excited about. That is one thing that I have really enjoyed about this. I mean, we're 30 episodes in, and I feel like I I yeah. barely know anything about this NFT space besides. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm still so le- left behind, but. I do see, you know, r- recurring artists coming up over and over and over again on these different platforms. And I start to recognize their work and I'm like, oh, okay, I know who that is. I know who that is. I know who that is. You know, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that I've really enjoyed about the NFT space is being able to see all these new artists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's- as I've told Dave from the very beginning, you know, and I've said this on the show multiple times, it, it needs to become, eventually it's going to become a, a part of everyday life. You oh, yeah, know, yeah. Mm-hmm. as an artist where it's like, okay, I've got my little shop here, you know, mm-hmm. here's where you can buy my NFTs if you want, you yeah, know, I'm exactly. also doing client work, but on the side, here's a few NFTs if you want to buy them, 
You know, right. yeah. where it's not so yeah. much I mean, all I, about the shilling every single exactly. day and trying you to get out it. there. Yeah. You can do it. You can. You could yeah. show if you want to, but it's but a different it's like, kind of rat race. I mean, right. I, I think even as a bigger picture, just the just the technology in place, <laughs> once like governments get like with their arms around whatever they're going to try to get their arms around and whatever's like yeah. not choked to death out of existence. Yeah. You know, I, I've said this, but there used to be a time where people would literally go to a grocery store and write a check. To mm-hmm. get cash, like oh, could I write? Could I write this check for twenty over? Right, like that sounds insane. You spent yeah. seventy five dollars and you wanted cash back. You'd have to literally pull out a checkbook, write out a check, and they would like decide whether or not you were good for it on the spot, and then you'd yeah. get twenty extra bucks. That's like, funny. I forgot that, you could do that. Right, <laughs> and, and then and then ATMs were uh-huh. like like people used to actually balance their checkbooks. Right, like you mm-hmm. would you were taught in school how to balance your checkbook, like charter style. Like you're actually entering into mm-hmm. like. And now, like, like when ATMs were coming out, like, that was groundbreaking. This is insane. There was a certain part of whatever current generation would never do it, right? They're like, I will never trust a bank to have my money be, like, just data. And, like, mm-hmm. money's data anyway. But, like, I feel like we're just – this is a radically larger thing. But in five years, ten years, this is going to be as day-to-day as using a, a, an ATM card number to buy something online. Yeah. Right. There was a time where people were like, that's insane. I yeah. can do what? I remember in the our first lifetime. time I went to Taco Bell and I could pay with a credit card. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, this changes my whole life. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is this is in the same way. Will will just the, the use of NFTs and the idea that you have, you know, this technology that you can trace back to like ownership. Like that stuff is going to become so commonplace yeah. that it's like the like there was a time where people like everybody didn't have a website or like everybody didn't have a mm-hmm. cell phone. Mm-hmm. This will be part of it. Yeah. You have a website? Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> yeah. Geocities.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. EJ, yeah. EJ says NFTs are, are, are basically in the internet 1.0 phase. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and by the way, he's been he's been uh, pretty successful mm-hmm. in NFTs. It, it, his kind of came out between episodes, but he had just a pretty successful drop this week, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sold out, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. What was it on? Quick. I don't remember. It was. Uh, I don't remember. Nifty. I think it was maybe nifty. he'll maybe he'll write it in. It wasn't. There. I don't. It wasn't Nifty Gateway. It was no. something else. Nifty like Nifty something. EJ. Nifty something. Yeah. I'm sure he'll write it once the delay happens maybe here. EJ. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, in the but meantime, yeah, it's, it is in its infancy. NFT Nif- Royale. NFT Royale. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So uh, in the meantime, um, uh, if anyone has any uh, any. Uh, mm. Uh, NFTs that they're dropping, Nifty Royale. There you go. Any uh, yes. NFTs that they're dropping uh, over the next week, feel free to email us info@mograph.com, and we will shill them on the show. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, yeah, we probably need. And Windbush dropped next last oh, okay. week too. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, there All you go. The drops. That's a whole new one that I'm going to have yeah. to add to my list. There we yeah. go. Send us your drops. If, yeah, send if us you're your a listener drops. of the show, send us <laughs> send us your drops every time. We don't care. Just shill it. Yeah. Just just bombard us with it and we'll put it out there. Yeah. You know what they call uh NFT in uh on Nifty Royale? Uh, I know uh, where you're going. going with <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you did it. A Nifty Royale. That's what Nifty uh, Gateway is said, in England. A Nifty, yeah, Nifty uh, Royale. Yeah, a Royale. With Nifty Royale with cheese. <laughs> it's the perfect oh. way to end this episode. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, well, let's uh, get out of the drop then. Yeah, let's do it. The drop. Drop, drop. Is this the fucking mic? This is exactly what I should be doing. All right, All right. Ryan. We could go 
for so much longer. <laughs> yeah, we could. But but we're we're at our limit. We we got to get you on here more than once a year. That's yeah, for we true. do. We yeah. should make it yeah. like a quarterly thing. Yeah. yeah, we do a quarterly state of MoGraph. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Is it still we breathing? Is it alive? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does it need the paddles? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not going to need it for a long time. I think. I think no, we're in a good place for for the next little bit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate you being on. Yeah, uh, tell us where people can find you on the interwebs if they want to chat with yeah. you or maybe schedule a meeting or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, any anything that you could be on, I'm Odernod, O-D-D-E-R-N-O-D. You'll see a wrestler with a um, big red mask on it. Um, and then if you want to reach out to me and you know chat or do a demo reel review, um, you can just go to Calendly. Um, mm-hmm. It's just C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com slash Odernod, and we can chat on a Wednesday sometime in the future. Cool. We should Love just randomly calendly. pick a time, <laughs> yeah. and then we'll be like, all right, hit record. Here's your yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah, Here's our well. Ryan Summers, 15 minutes. <laughs> there you, you know? go. Yeah. yeah, that could work. That'd be awesome. There you go. Cool. Cool. Cool, cool. And of course, you know, School of Motion. Check them out as well. Yeah. Yep. Schoolofmotion.com and uh, sign yourself up for a course. You know, get that, get that, get that free course in right there. You yeah, might as well, there you right? go. Yeah, you can pick <laughs> yeah. up Level Up right now. You don't have to wait at all for it. There you go. Yeah, do it. Cool. Well, we are going to wrap it up and get out of here. You can rate us on iTunes, leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. Helps get our ratings up. We got that newsletter, yo. I think the newsletter is going to go out this week. Uh, I think. I think. We'll try. We'll try. Having a, Possibly having a baby at any minute now. Yeah. Oof. We'll, we'll see luck. what goes on. Um, officially inducing on the 11th, but it may happen before that. You never know. So mm-hmm. just keep an eye on the schedule. You can say you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt with the MoGraph logo tee, the Paul Bab, feel the Bab 2020 shirt, all the profits from that, go to Doctors Without Borders. The Render Things t-shirt, hoodie, and long sleeve tee, the That Render is Fire shirt, which you are only allowed to wear, ironically, unless you're <laughs> unless Shams. You're shams yeah. And uh, the MoGraph Blandishment shirt, throwback, uh, not throwback, but kind of classic looking uh, shirt which uh, it's all available. All of these are available at MoGraph.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. T- check out the TikToks. Yep. Going to keep experimenting with some fun motion graphics yeah. related <laughs> yeah. niner. So. <laughs> Did I hear a niner in there? You're going to call it in on your walkie-talkie? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But, uh, that, yeah, that about wraps it up. Yep. Yeah. Ryan, so, thanks for being until, on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you always for everything you you all do. And uh, yeah, Camograph 2022. I will be there. I can't wait. Yes. Yeah. I cannot wait. It's going to be even better next time. I can't stop dreaming so. about camp. I'm telling you, I've had, <laughs> I've had at least one to two camp dreams every week. That's an episode uh, all its own. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's always on my mind now, yep. like like constantly, yep. like all the time. So. Yep, that is that is about it. Um, we're going to get out of here. Until next time, I'm Dave. And I'm Matt. You are. <laughs> Ryan? Ryan. And this is Ryan. Yeah. Ryan's right here. Have a good one. Later, yo. See ya. Pretty good, I guess. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. 
Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, SeaGraph, HalfRes, and local meetups. <laughs> Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. We gotta stop this thing, Rick! It's gonna kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame frame what? MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in the HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous. Branch into new software. Learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. Oh, brother, those are some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions. Check out our plugins or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it! We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com.